G'day, folks. Welcome back to Down Under Sigma. You are here with the coach. I uh, hope everyone is well. With me, as always, we have Shadow Hammer, Liam himself, the former villain. Um, how are you today, sir? I'm exhausted because I've been up at a, since 10 a.m. painting Runax and I'm still not close to finishing. <laughs> Why? I've been up since 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 10 a.m. Guys, that is early for me. I don't get up till like one o'clock in the afternoon. Please let me be. That is early for me. What a privileged life you leave, Liam. You leave, Liam. What? No, it's not privilege. It's just how my job like works out. I work late at night. So yeah. This is why young people can't have houses. You're the reason. I don't, I don't buy avocado on toast, so I don't understand how that's involved to me. But yeah. I love it. I love it. It's like literally you, second, seconds into the show and we're already giving Liam absolute grief. Uh, I am good. I am painting up uh, Runax. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But uh, life is settling now after Sydney GT. Um, I'm happy. It's like, yes, another 12 months until my next tournament, so I don't have to worry. Um, <laughs> but don't want to talk about myself. I want to talk about my two guests. Uh, what's going to be awesome is they're both called Matt. Uh, one is superior than other. Uh, I'll let you guys decide in the chat which one is the superior one. Uh, but uh, a man who may need no introduction, uh, he won CanCon. He won Sydney Slaughter, I think. He won he he didn't win Sydney GT, but he comes very close. Almost. He almost no, did. I did not. He I don't read scenarios. <laughs> wasn't far off. We have uh, Matt Campbell, uh, the blade of corn himself. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I have read all of the general's handbook scenarios <laughs> now, so I am ready for masters. Beautiful. We're going to talk about that. Um, how was that introduction? Not, by like the way? It's not like it's changed in the in. I think it's it's been the, since the first general's handbook, hasn't it? Knife to the heart. No, knife to the heart. Knife to the heart. Was it word second? changed? It's because now you can win it at the bottom of the second turn. Yeah, but it was well, yeah, but that Indian wasn't even right. the stuff that messed me up. That was—it's uh, just me. I think I assumed it changed, and you, then it you've didn't. Gotten, you've gotten too good. You haven't read the rules. You don't look at packs anymore. <laughs> you just rock up. You win tournaments, and um, he's like, "I just won blaze of corn. No one thinks I'm good. Watch me. Hold my beer." I'm—I'm I'm not really going to lie. I went out the Saturday night, and you had me at a licensed venue for like, God, must have been like. 18 to 20 hours that weekend. So I've, I was just pretty drunk, to be honest. Well, it's good to have you here. I've been working on the intros. I hope that did you well uh, and you come back. Um, speaking of the other Matt, I don't know if this is the better Matt or the not the not better Matt, but he is the mayor <laughs> of Dubbo himself, uh, one of the many Dr. Deaths. Uh, it is Matt Tyrrell. Matt, I hear you are sponsoring CanCon with some tickets at Roar and Snore and maybe some pack mules. Is that is that true? Uh, I've been thinking about it, but um, I don't think we've got any money left in after my, after after I got paid. So sort of a bit low on budget. We're buying water in at the moment. We've got water um, drinking from water bottles. We're we're in drought. We've got no money. Well, 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 well half half the budget goes to me, so it's sort of a bit hard. Well, let's forget doing the uh, yeah, uh, the sure. GoFundMe for for Rob Symes. Let's do the Rob. <laughs> the, let's get a GoFundMe for yourself. Yeah, um, not necessary. So. He's a Hollywood actor now. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. You, you did some acting recently. You were, uh, yeah. uh, I think you should tell the story. I think this is a really good one. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, yeah, my wife uh, dressed up the other day to go to an audition for a local TV ad, um, took the kids down and uh, I, I got home from work, took took the work boots off, threw the thongs on, went down with her all dirty and everything and um, walked in and they took her photo and said, oh, come up to me. Do you want to apply for this job too? And I said, oh, oh, I suppose I'm here. Took photos of me <laughs> and um, then chatted to me for ages and then, as when we left a couple of days later, they emailed Miranda and uh, said, "Oh, sorry, you didn't get the job, but can we have your husband's number <laughs> for the uh, the ad?" And uh, so yeah, that didn't go down too well. Um, but yeah, we just uh, shot the ad tonight, and then um, going back tomorrow, they've actually the person that uh, took Miranda's spot had to pull out, so she actually got the gig now. But I get I I'm crashing a party again. They want me back tomorrow night to do with her so sounds like sounds like you've earned, earned some uh, some good hobby dollars <laughs> yeah i did it was actually not too bad so I'm bring up this yeah. quick question by the way uh, aos shorts no uh the beard will not be uh twice as long for cancon because it is being shaved off this week um so yeah are uh, you because uh, Friday is the start of Movember, the traditional uh, uh, yeah. start of raising money uh, for on the behalf of men's health and uh, some great research. So I will shave this off and raise some funds, but I'm sure uh, you'll hear more about that as we go along. But it's great to have you guys. Um, this is the first time we're streaming on Facebook as well. And for anyone who listens back um, on the podcast, that's pretty cool. Um, now we're like multi-streaming across the, across the entire interwebs. Um, just need to twitch no no let's not do twitch <laughs> but uh today's conversation is probably going to be a quite a robust one uh we're going to focus on the australian competitive scene uh and match play scene and we're going to talk about the aussie masters as well now uh the the competitive season is coming to an end right now formal invitations have not been sent these two fine gentlemen are well positioned to be in the Masters and whether they accept their invitation or not uh, is going to be up to those guys. But before we get into that, Liam, has there any been any news recently that uh, if I haven't been online, I've probably missed it? Uh, so Bone Daddies are coming out. Um, if anyone doesn't know what I mean by Bone Daddies, I mean the Bone Reapers army, the new Nagash army that is just beautiful in so many ways. Um, that went on pre-order last week, which was good. Um, I dropped quite a bit of cash, not going to lie. I was one of the assholes who bought more than one box of the bone-type box. So um, I'm sorry, Australia, who only... There was only 300 boxes, apparently, in Australia. and I've, They sold yeah. out They sold out within two, within two hours, Matt. You no, tried 40 uh, minutes. Less than, less 40 than minutes. Hour. Yeah. Wow, so, I 40 went minutes. Down, I went down at... Oh, probably 10 to 2, I reckon it was. I got to the shop and, um, yeah, it was gone. No chance. So, yeah, they only went on sale at 1 because we're daylight savings. Um, mm. Yeah, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, they were gone. So, and yeah. I think, and even since then, they've sold out on the Ogre Dice and stuff as well now. Um, so I think most of it's pretty much gone. Yeah, so I bought two boxes, and then after Runax, I probably have to order the rest that I need for CanCon. I've already written, I think, 15 lists for my CanCon army, so that's going to be fun to pick which one to use. Um, 15? I think you only sent me 14. Yeah, I wrote another one literally about 10 minutes ago. So, um, yeah, so pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much Bone Daddies. And also we got the new Ogre book coming out as well. And, yeah, so, but, like, do we really need to talk about ogres? But 
Yeah, I think I, I think West. Matt I think yes. Matt Campbell yes. wants to talk ochres. So, so what are you excited bad. about? Hashtag I'm excited bad for all of it. It's a whole book I'm on excited bad dog. for fat lads eating all of the bone daddies out. <laughs> eating them out. Eating them out. Okay, that's cool. Hey, what? hey, hey! This is a uh, an <laughs> attempt to be a PG Look, show. You met. Well, <laughs> Is it? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay, thank God. No, it's not. Jesus, I thought I ruined everything. No. All right. No, yeah. No. no, I'm I'm very excited for the fat lads. I've got a lot of the ride beast claw raider variety, but um I'm more than happy with the new ogre bulls looking as good as they look to expand that collection out. Mm. Yeah. I I've had a quick skim. I think that it's a really cool army. Like the, all the rules that they've written for them actually suit the theme. Are they or deadly progress. as ever? I think they're more deadly, to be honest. Even I'm, I'm, deadlier I'm not, than ever. Pretty much not... plus one to hit um, army wide. Mm. It's pretty pretty good. I really Except like for the, the big uh... cannon thing. Ah, uh, yeah, but cannon thing shit. It always has been. <laughs> I, I do no, like the way it's that deadly uh, as they... ever. <laughs> no, it's lost its reroll. You can't even re-roll a hit roll anymore. You guys um, did get it got another profile though, which is not too bad. But yeah, I, I still think it's not worth taking. But yeah, I I, yeah. I um I'm pretty excited for ogres. They were when I very first started Warhammer, which was only about five years ago now, just before AOS. Um, ogres were my very first army, so they're dear to my heart um got the beast claw raiders that i took to cancon two years ago so i've got quite a bit already there ready to go and i've already been writing lists and sending them to liam and yeah it's uh i'm pretty excited about them too as, as well as the the bone reapers i'm gonna have so much work to do in the next <laughs> next couple of months i think ogres have that special place in a lot of people's hearts from warhammer fantasy battle because they were just so cheap to collect yeah. an army off, like a couple of the battle boxes, convert a tyrant out of a bull, and you've like got an army to play with. So I yeah. think a lot of people have them in like the back of their cupboard of shame, and we'll be oh, able yeah. to get that out and have some games. And they've also got some cool rules now around objective claiming. So the the things that mm. made them unplayable, uh, now they can actually compete on the objective as well as still being an elite army. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, we also had the rumor mill today, which uh, Twitter is furiously thinking it could be the light elves. Do we think the oh. light elves are coming? Yes. Oh, I hope not. I love light elves, but I just do not have the cash right now, and I will make bad decisions. And anything but more death. <laughs> I can't keep buying it all. <laughs> Tyrion is my I'm... absolute boy, so if they come out, I'm buying all of it immediately. Like I, I like dark elves more, so I feel like I'm safe with my wallet. But I am keen to see the like lighter side of elves like be expanded. Like we honestly thought Deepkin were, but let's be honest, Deepkin are literally dark elves just messed up in the head. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty keen to see what they do with it. Um, I woke up this morning, saw it, and I'm like, the thing is that the swell looks so Deepkin. If that makes sense, like you know the swell thing that it has, it just reminds me yeah, of the Deepkin yeah. banner behind the behind the A. Yeah, I was just like, that is looks so Deepkin, but Deepkin's already like out. So like, what what else Deepkin, could it be? They could be getting more units. They've got a pretty limited range. It's yeah. not that I many units, the, really. The only other thing would be if it was just boring forty k Eldar stuff. But I hope <laughs> not. 
Oh, it doesn't look, it doesn't look Eldari, but you nah. never know, right? I reckon uh, it's Light Elves. I just hope it's not a, um, I remember last year they had that limited edition model that had like the, the map and it was the, the Warhammer world. Uh, it was a 40K model and everyone was kind of freaking out. It was thinking of something, but it was actually just a limited edition Warhammer world model. I'm hoping mm. it's not another trolling. Nah. Or, an under, another or an Underworlds War. As long as it's not another Underworlds Warband or something. <laughs> They've done yeah. that with Death in the past and, and Destruction and that. They, they show these little snippets and then it's not even for AOS. <laughs> well, so they it did it with the Kanothi as well, didn't they? Everyone was like, Light Elves, Light Elves. Nah, just a couple cool models that you can't really use. Who knows? Yeah. Um, to, to the comments in the chat, it could be, uh, could be Seraphon. Uh, we the the rumor mill's going crazy about a new slaves to darkness battle tome. Um, there are rumors of a KO book. Um, there's a lot floating around, so you just never know. Um, I think that's the exciting thing right now. And we, with the amount of also, armies, just what? quickly, we haven't had a stormcast book this year. <laughs> Ooh. Like, how amazing is that? Like, are we overdue now? Do you reckon they've forgotten? Yeah. I reckon they're probably going to do what they're doing to Space Marines, where you have, like, Stormcast Eternals, and then you have, like, Anvil Gar, like, um, Anvil, you know, whatever, and then you've got, like, Vindicators. Hallowed Knights, and you've got your different yeah. chambers. Mm. Like, all those different chamber books. I reckon that might be a thing, because it's working for 40k. If that makes sense? Like, I, I, I would like to see them split out. That might be the unpopular opinion, but I'd love to eventually at one point split them out so the chambers mean something more than just a colour scheme and a narrative, but... Uh, I colour scheme doesn't even matter. <laughs> they did such a great thing for the 40K universe, so I really want to see one of the Storm hosts really get that Iron Hands. And then no, 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 not an Iron Hands thing. No, 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 no. Nope. Abort mission. Change subject quickly. All right. Change, change subject. subject. So no, that's going to record. trigger Liam. Been like change six subject quickly. since the last corn book. So overdue for that as well. Yeah. And you could no. say Zench, Zench, Zench get a new book as well. So who knows? The world is crazy. I think someone put out a tweet the other day that something like 11 or 13 battle tomes have come out. If you count them out this year, it's been a pretty crazy cycle of new battle tomes. Whether you, when you think about you know, you've had Gits, you've had Storm, uh, Blades of Corn, you've had Liam's counting them up already. I don't think it's 13. There's, there's no a fair way Liam can count past 10. <laughs> I don't. Can't, can't go past six, to be honest. That's why I roll D6s only. It's really Some... bleak when you start, like, going with your fingers. Right. <laughs> Someone in the chat can do it, but I'm pretty sure uh, there's at least 10 or more. So... Um, well, you got to add what, these two coming out this week. Yeah, when you, when you when you when you add the you know the ogres, you know the um, the the new orc book, you've got the cities book. When you start thinking of there's four four you know in it's like four in a month. alone, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let alone everything that's come out previously. But um, either way, very exciting with the meta. Lots of cool stuff happening. Speaking of things happening, have you guys had any, had any games recently? Uh, Mayor of Dubbo, I know you've been acting a lot. Uh, have you taken the opportunity to hang out with the people and roll some dice uh, with the fellow commoners? Um, yeah, I actually have lately. Um, been down just a couple of 1K games just down at the local G-Dub store with a young guy. It's just He's only just sort of started collecting Skaven. Um, so I've just taken down... Uh, what did I take down? Just a couple of uh, Nurgle list with some Blight Kings and another... Um, just a, my Night Haunt list. Just for something different, bit of fun. Um, 
just some crazy games, but nothing serious as of yet. Um, I'm actually in the process of uh, we're going to line up a day with Adam Burt and because he's a that's actually how I met Adam four or five years ago was he came up to Aubrey for a um, meet his uh, hang out with his girlfriend and they had a had a just a small tournament at G Dub and we're playing both playing fantasy and he had ogres and I had ogres and we had an ogre off so we're going to get back into that and do another one um, yeah, one weekend he's going to. We're going to do that again now with the yes. new book. So sounds like a romantic anniversary that. between you two. It will be, yeah, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> so nothing else, nothing serious as since Sydney GT really. Um, which which is one. fair. It was literally only two oh, weeks ago that you, yeah. you played five two and a half thousand point battles. That that really burnt me out. That Saturday <laughs> night, I was just. I was wrecked. I, I, yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of people. Have, a lot of people have said they really enjoyed the event, but please, not another two and a half thousand point again, please. Like that was that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, I think I think two K is a lot better. Yeah, Campbell, have you had I an opportunity like to play recently? Yeah, uh, I really like I, it. I like the two and a half as a change, to be honest, because we don't we don't have the one up in Queensland anymore. Is that right? They, yeah, RCGT stopped this year. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see what people come up with at two and a half k. That whole collection makes everyone change. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's worth weighing up, but yeah, two and a half k works probably better in terms of keeping the tournament compact and stuff. But um, yeah. So one 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 idea that I've got well. for next year is uh, potentially a two thousand point game uh, or tournament, but people will have uh, two lists with a five hundred point difference. So it's the same allegiance, same army, but you essentially have fifteen hundred points and then two detachments of five hundred that you can interchange um, freely. So, so is that similar to the fir- similar to the first CanCon when we had no no because first CanCon oh, was, that was literally two full that lists. was two yeah. complete separate lists so there was no restriction so uh, oh, it still keeps you yeah yeah I, I I kept within the same allegiance and kind of just tweaked it but um, I think for someone someone could go in with Slanesh and you know uh, Daughters of Cain or like some other army they could have two completely separate armies and while it could be fun. Um, to remember rules, slow playing, you know, um, trying to choose which army, a lot of models. <laughs> so, um, and I've seen Nashcon run it well, and uh, I think it was recently a Sweden event ran something like that that um, Charles Black kind of tagged me in. So, um, so, so would you would you have to bring another five hundred points, or could you no. just bring a two K list and stick with it? Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. it's just a sideboard mission. If you want to bring, yeah. you know, a, a, di- a different version of your army, um, yeah. Just some it's just cannon, an idea that some, I'm playing. I, if you want some mercenary cannons or something for one game, yeah, you want to bring out yeah. a super tanky hero, whatever. But just something fun, yeah. something different. I just you know, a slight spin on the two thousand point um, match play battle. Even just something simple, like if I'm running, say ogres, I have an all beast claw raiders book. But if I need loads of chap, I could take out a big stone horn or something and chuck in couple big units of noblars or something like that yeah 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 something like that yeah that's cool that's like a simplified version of i know a lot of especially the uk tournaments were playing with sideboards early on but um just just you don't have to do all the math every game just makes it it more simple it gives people a bit of versatility that don't have a summoning pool so 
Um, it's mm. a little bit different, but we'll see how it goes. I've got 12 months to think about it. Liam, yeah, cool. you had a game recently? Uh, played a couple for Renax. They were fun. And yeah, played Chris Welfare with his Seraphon and Chameleon's Geeks are OP. Um, <laughs> they are so OP, like ridiculous. Um, and then I had another game with Chris Hallett, who was like a TO support and stuff, getting in practicing of death. And um, yeah, lost both games, which was refreshing. Um, and You've lost I your touch. A lot. Nah, like, I think I was just getting, it's like, oh, I also played Ash McEwen and I won that one. Um, but like, I think I learned to get, stop getting into a habit of just like putting my bows and Dirthu on the side into deep strike kind of thing. Like, yeah. um, as much as it's like nice to have to make, since they're so slow to like be like, cool, now you're there. Um, like with my game against Chris, he zoned me out so much where I just couldn't do it. And also 20 skinks are stupid, mm. but oh well. Um, and then with Chris, it was um, Prince Vordry survived, I think over 40, sh- oh no, over, yeah, over 40 shots of shooting and just wouldn't die. And he just kept, and he just kept healing. I was like, this sucks. Um, but yeah. And also, um, what was it? His like Blood Knights came in and I had a unit of six Kern of Hunters and only one Kern of Hunter survived with one wound left. And I was like, sick one. Um, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so Blood Knights are great still. Um, like, they should stay where they are. Um, but yeah, it was good. Like, good three games. Um, my game with Ash was also a close game where I think we had like two points in it, which was good. So yeah, it was good. And you've just confirmed as well. I saw it in the private chat that you've confirmed that there's 13 battle tomes that have happened since Soul Wars. So not yes. quite this year, wow. but uh, 13 new since the second edition. We've had 13 books. So that's well, pretty crazy. We've, we've had had I think. Three, no, we've had two armies that came out, like four armies, and they've got dual like um releases. So like Skaven and Fett came out in one week together, and we also now have the ogres and the bone reapers coming out, and also a box set was released on that same time. But also, it's been twelve months, and I'm pretty sure we still have not seen any of those limited edition loon curse or feck or anything else come out yet. Which, we still haven't. But, we still haven't seen the model from the original box set. There's a corn. Is it the? Was yeah. it the, oh, the, the, the corgi? The corgi. Yeah, Corgrath. the corgi. No, corgi's in the start collecting box. There's a corn start collecting box that has it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they still they still sell them technically, but yeah, they just if they had multi part kit, they'd just be able to print money for it. But yeah. I'm not holding my breath to be honest. I think the thing that could change it is if you see a lot of um, third-party companies start coming out with really good alternatives for these models, then I think GW will pick up their act and start bringing out legit ones because, you know, you want to support Games Workshop when possible for the rules, but, you know, I've I've seen a lot of people try and find alternatives for Korgoraths as the obvious example because they don't want to drop... 150 bucks for one model yeah yeah and i know i know clint mallet was trying to pick up some uh loons like uh loon bosses on squigs and um you got the fine cast version well he, he did in the end but um you know i mean look at the the bone daddy's box that just come out it literally sold out within the hour so 
um, those people want those additional um, heroes. So you got to find a way. So and and obviously the reseller third party market is just not viable, especially if you don't want to sat, take a second mortgage. Yeah, I... that's not true. He he could buy one for six hundred bucks with free postage. So yeah, there is that Lumicrest box still on eBay. Six hundred dollars free postage. That's still a thing. No one snapped that up yet. Oh nah, sounds like a bargain. Nah, shocking. Sounds like a bargain. I'm going to bring Get us on. back on topic. And that is I got uh, probably the quickest game of Age of Sigmar in in the history of the world when I conceded at the top of turn two. Uh, I, no, it was actually it was at the start of combat for turn two. That's not the uh, quickest game, but okay. Uh, my quickest game. <laughs> oh, your quickest game, yeah. My quickest game. Oh. No, my quickest game. Uh, oh, when I, I played saying, like, and, quickest game ever, yeah. No, and Matt Campbell's going to lose his mind when I tell him. Um, I played a more Crusher with uh, 18 Piggies, uh, two war chanters, a war boss on foot, and I think there was another character maybe, but uh, that is nasty. Uh, deployed my dude, deployed my dudes on the five inch line, uh, and the the more crusher with a three d six charge still got into me. Uh, silly me dropped the comet and gave him a free move in my my turn, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not nasty. So uh, I bought thirty fees guard. They'll, they'll get after you. Yeah, Phoenix Guard will help. Yeah, well, my free guild guard probably weren't uh, going to help me with this one. So I'm going to Phoenix Guard. Thank you very much, uh, Ben Cannon Smith, for that lesson in life. <laughs> Can I just say, when I read, when I read the War Clans book, I saw Gold Grunters because they are the coolest, like, cause yeah. Iron Jewels model. They're so cool. So giant. Like, they're just like the definition of like what a pig would look like raised by orcs. Um, I read their rules and I was like, that is, they are probably up there as the best unit in that book especially with the war chanter they should be they were so terrible before like actually they're a really good chaff no they're really good chaff because they're like seven wounds each on like a three up or four up save like it was a lot of wounds to churn through but i mean they were they were five wounds each with a four up save but i still thought they were really really good if you Mm. were stacking extra attacks because the pigs would get extra attacks the dudes on top get extra attacks um, yeah, I know yeah. Ash used to use some loads with his Gordrak list. If you give yeah. both the riders and the pigos plus two attacks, uh, you get 3d6 charge, which means you can make that long charge, Eight. which gives them d3 damage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I think their, their charge bonus. Their charge bonus was pretty bad too. Like you had to actually mm. move eight, eight inches. You couldn't just roll an eight eight or whatever it was it had to actually be over eight inches away like that was yeah it's just terrible yeah i like the ogre one now it's pretty good hey look we've already Mm. we've already started seeing the impact uh, across the globe uh that iron jaws are now shaking up the meta yeah they just just got so many tools yeah yeah, they're back. They're back. The piggies are back. Uh, the the orcs are yeah, back. With, so, uh, with and four I, armies out in like a month, do we just what? Oh, I was uh, just going to say, with cutting. four armies out in a month, it's this point you just don't. Sh- Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Hello. You get freezing up a little bit. But yeah, just keep freezing up. You freeze yeah, up yeah, a little okay, bit. That's working. You have to yeah, speak up and wearing say, a towel. With like. <laughs> with four armies up in a month it's it's almost like you don't shake up a meta anymore you completely redefine it at this point because yeah. four oh, armies yeah. that all look like they can compete in a month with different tools 
they're all going to be popular in their own way. It's exciting. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I mean, the cities of Sigma have really uh, brought back those older armies. You know, you're going to start seeing the war machines. You're going to start seeing motion magic. You've seen the orcs and the bone splitters coming back. You've obviously seen the impacts of the new box set, um, and they're only going to hit the table in a matter of time, uh, especially now we've got contrast. So it's not going to take as long for those armies to come onto the table. So uh, it is a real meta shift. It's it's not just, a, you know, what is this army going to do? We've got four armies really shaking it up and, very cool. I think, I think it'll be it'll be good for tournament play because you you always get those you know the meta chases and they you know they they go out and buy that hottest army yeah Liam putting his hand up um, but with four books <laughs> and they're all pretty decent Liam. it's going to be hard you know you go to a tournament you go to a tournament you're not going to play that same list five times at a tournament you know what I mean like you're going to be get you, you should be getting a mix which is good. When was the last yeah. time you played um, uh, any of those Cities of Sigmar armies, whether it's Dispossessed, Free Guild? When was the last time you played um, Scourge Privateers or, like? <laughs> I played against... Uh, um, Bigwood. Uh, Bigwood, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah his order, order Draconis. Yeah. But, like, that, yeah, that, that as a common theme is not very uh, prevalent in the competitive no. scene. No. All right. But... Yeah, cool. yeah. Since Dan Swain moved away, we've got like fifty percent. Yeah, KangCon's like good timing away. Am I glitching again, or you are glitching a little? Yeah, bit. it's so entertaining though. That's right. We're just gonna pretend <laughs> that you're like, yeah, Matt, Matt Campbell's so insightful. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, while while Matt glitches glitches to oblivion, um, I'm going to do a bit of a round the grounds for Australia. So uh, very quickly, we've got a couple of events coming up. We've uh, we're closing out the competitive scene, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Which means that um, the events often get a little bit lighter towards Christmas. But we've got the Runax team event happening this weekend. Uh, though I'm pretty sure those dates are wrong. I've clearly got that wrong. It's the 2nd and 3rd of November. We've also got uh, a Newcastle event coming up, uh, the Castle Assault. The Masters uh, will take place at the start of December or the 30th of November. Uh, HeroCon is up in Brisbane. And then we have the 240-player Massacre. That is a call to glory. So uh, I'm excited. I think there's a lot of people building up new armies. Um on top of that, there's been a whole bunch of fresh content drop from the Heralds of War, Mortally Wounded. Uh, Liam, get your act together and put out another bat rep. Um, sh quick shout out to a, a shameless plug, uh, Doom and Darkness, putting out the Unlocking Cities of Sigma uh, series, which included myself, uh, Christian Ware, and Tom Lyons from Warhammer Weekly. So we talked about two lists each that we built, a uh, whole bunch of new content. Uh, I recorded a Orc. War Clans faction focused on the weekend. Um, and there's plenty of cool blogs. Check out Dwellers Below. Um, Randy, Tomb King Randy, put out an awesome blog uh, just after Sydney GT. Um, not about Sydney GT per se, but more about his experience. So uh, that's a really good read. Any other, any other hashtag content creators you guys want to shout out? Anyone that you guys are in absolute love with at the moment? Just want to quickly say, the only reason why I haven't put one out is because I had to help a particular TO run a, an event, and then I also have to get my painting sorted for a particular event, but I'm also with that TO for a team event. So I have very good do? You've already got the footage, man. We played the game. Just upload it. Jeez. I need hard. to cut it and edit it and make uh, us look pretty. 
Okay, right. I need to make sure that this face looks half decent. So Liam is uh, not a very supportive person, but the people who are supportive are the Patreon. So I just want to call out uh, the likes of Kenny, Chaosborn, uh, and all the cool, cool Tyler, Reflex Dog. Uh, there's so many cool Patreons. I do appreciate your support, unlike Liam, who just whinges about it uh, every opportunity that he gets. So much, much appreciated. That was a nice segue, wasn't it? Completely unplanned. I'm getting good at this. <laughs> I'm okay. so pissed off right now. <laughs> so slick. Hashtag triggered. All right. All right. I we am have, so triggered. We've done the round the grounds. We've talked about games. Should we get into the real topic, the thing that people are here to listen to? Nah, I'm good. Let's talk, can we talk about Bone Daddies again? All right. I'm meeting Liam. So I mentioned earlier, we're at the top of where I mentioned <laughs> earlier that the show today is about the Australian match play community and our annual Masters event. Um, not only that, um, oh, we've got Dwellers Below have just got a, a new episode. Um, Duke, uh, yes, Notorious definitely have put out a podcast, but it is about fresh Aussie content, unless they want to claim that they're Australian. Uh, but they travel all to, the sh- way. Shout oh. out. Can I, can, I, can I just finish? Shout out to the to- Notorious <laughs> crew. They are an awesome set of dudes. The Kiwis are essentially ours. Much like the Pavlova and Russell Crowe, they are essentially Aussie. So uh, shout out to... The dweller, uh, the dwellers, and notorious. Have you guys finished? Yeah, I'm done. Cool. Now going back to the topic. So the topic is about Australian match play. We're talking about the community. We're talking about uh, our annual Masters event, and the reason we're we're talking about this and now and why I've got uh, the mats of the world is that we are coming to the end of our competitive season. So traditionally, our competitive season starts on the 1st of November and it runs up until the 31st of October. So we run an annual calendar and uh, a lot of events happen throughout the year. Within that calendar, we combined all of the results into something called the match play rankings or the, the ranking masters. And there's an invitational that happens at the end of the year where 16 of our very best uh, Australian players come together to battle it out to be the master. And uh, for two years now, uh, 2017 and 2018, that's been won consecutively by Dave Kerr. However, in about a month's time, we'll be having the third of Age of Sigmar Masters. So that's a bit of the scene. I know uh, we have a very unique scene. So I know um, overseas, the Americans have the ITC format. I know in the UK, they're influenced a little bit by the ETC. They've also also got their own little thing like we do. Um, And there are people out there who haven't been to a tournament, people who are looking to get uh, more into tournaments and attending more, and they want to know what's big and what's good. So I guess this is where Matt and Matt, and also Liam, Liam is a uh, very uh, proficient tournament player. Hi. So you are. That's why you're here. Uh, So... I'm going to start the questions. I'm going to throw this over to maybe Matt Campbell first. You are uh, somebody who's been at the Masters twice. Um, what is the Australian competitive scene? If you had to describe it to me, how would you com- how would you describe it? Um, oh, it's a good question. I would describe it as probably better than it. <laughs> because geographically we are I'm, i mean in terms of numbers obviously everyone's lovely but it's a question we get asked loads in australia by people in the uk and america because it kind of doesn't make sense 
because we've got yeah. such a massive country, something comparable to the US with like a tenth of the people. And yet we still have these really big events. So above all, I would say that the tournament scene is really, you know, people travel all over the country to support their mates when they host events and, you know, to catch up with people. And I don't think they'd be doing that unless, you know, they really enjoyed it and they had really strong bonds across those states, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's often a stigma that you hear about is that, you know, um, the tournament scene is just about absolutely smashing and annihilating and, you know, the most driest kind of scene. And, you know, people have this perception that we are going to just absolutely ruin your day. Uh, but actually quite, it's often quite the opposite. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Australian competitive scene? What are your observations uh, over the last couple of years? Um, I think it's pretty cruisy. Um, I haven't, it sort of obviously gets a bit more tense when you're up in the top tables, but everyone's there to have fun. Um, you, you're playing against lists all the time that are just different. Uh, you're not always against those competitive lists. Um, and you always try and make those games as fun as you can for your opponent if you do have a competitive list, unless you lay them, obviously. But, um, yeah, no, always always enjoyed the, the competitiveness. I've always been a competitive person, whether it be sport or whatever. Um, so I enjoy the competitive side of it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The, the Australian community, I just I don't know what the, the rest of the world's like. I haven't been to any of the other communities. But we're all... You know, we all catch up after the games and, like, even at Sydney GT, the Saturday night and even the Sunday night, drinking with the Notorious guys. It was just a good night and just catching up with everyone. Everyone talks about games and, and just talks about their lives. And, you know, it's it's just a great community. Everyone's – there's – for the amount of people that are in our community, the, any sort of shit that does go on is very minimal compared to the size of the community and – there's the the positive far outweighs any any negatives in our in our Australian community as far as what I see. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I I would say that um, the 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 mateship that we have um, is is something that drives our community. And uh, I have had the luxury of going over to England and going to America, uh, and 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 all of those communities are wonderful. By the way, let me you know preface that that you know i haven't had a problem at any of the communities but i think that inherent australian mateship that we have where you know everyone's a mate we just have fun we're here to roll dice uh due to the geographics of our country um often it's hard to to catch up with with folks um i i find that we've got the competitive side we've got the people who just want to chill out and have fun and then you've got the people who are there for the hobby. So it's a, I feel like it's a, a celebration and there's a bit of everything at the events. Yeah. Yeah, we've got like, whatever the hell Jed is as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 had, we had some special people like Jed as well. But, um, yeah, I like, mean, like... Like Liam most Don. of our events have so many different awards, though. Like, how many awards do we have at Sydney GT? Like, 27. 27. Like, we celebrated the clubs who performed the best as a group, which is cool. We had um, we had best painted, best cause army, even best online, like, presence, like, influencer. Like, we celebrated, like, so many different aspects of the hobby. 
like i'm not gonna lie like hashtag content creator was like becoming like a trending joke like about six months ago at cancon i think it was and then now we've actually like decided to make an award and being like let's celebrate this cool thing that we've just decided to do um <laughs> thanks tristan um and yeah so pretty much like we have so many different awards so in our competitive scene or like tournament scene i would like the thing that we just need to make sure is like when it comes to like saying like what is the australian competitive scene like that's like two or three things that are like different if that makes sense like a tournament celebrates so many different things if that makes sense like you celebrate the people yeah. who really love the hobby aspect and converting and stuff then you guys who are all about being good sports and having a great time and then you got all the people like liam who are just wanting to play games and pretty much like have fun at the same time but also try and win if that makes sense like that's three different aspects so like when you talk about competitive scene, I think that's the bit where you're talking about like the top table people, if that makes sense, who are like going at it for the ranking points or going at it to like get the um, first place, second place, et cetera, or best death or whatever. But um, as a whole, the tournament as itself is celebrating, like each event celebrates all three or four different aspects of the hobby, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But even, so, even in saying like the, the what you just said, the top tables, the people wanting to win, the tournament like i went to sydney wanting to win and that the first game played against matt and i i, I still reckon well I, like i think that was my I, I enjoyed that game the most for the whole tournament like matt was great to play against and you know it it was probably the the matchup that i had to win um one of the ones and i didn't win but it was it was probably my favorite game and favorite opponent for the weekend like it, even though he was the top tables he was going to be right at the pointy end it's still it was still an enjoyable game you know like it's good to have that in our community that you don't just have those those people at the top that just want to win and do it at all costs you know they're actually wanting to win but they want to want other people to enjoy it too yeah which yeah is, I, which is good. I, I would say a, a large proportion of players um have the goal of winning more than they lose and they'd be happy with three and two you do have that 10 to 20% of your attendee pool that are definitely gunning for best death for second, third. Uh, but I think for mo for the most, uh, for most of it, it's just people taking one or two days out of their weekend to roll dice, have fun, catch up with mates, um, you know, uh, paint their armies. It's a, it's a wonderful deadline. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like that, that question is super broad. Like what is the strength of scene? Like, Competitive scene is like the ranking system. Let's just say competitive scene is like our ranking system, if that makes sense. But our tournament scene is where we celebrate all three or four different aspects, in my yeah. opinion. Mm. Yeah. And some tournaments will, will go more than others. You've got the likes of Sydney Slaughter, which definitely is towards more of the, I wouldn't say narrative, but definitely it's a blend around sportsmanship and they, and they really celebrate hobby. But then, you know, Liam, yourself, you run a tournament where it was really about the best of the best kind of competitiveness and you know, there were certain things that were left out because you wanted to really practice the, the very best. So um, yeah. there's a bit of a mixture of something for everyone, but I think ultimately it's it's people coming together, rolling dice, having fun and celebrating the hobby. Yeah, exactly. So Matt, Matt, Matt Tyrrell, um, yep. how would you differ? Let's imagine I was, you know, of someone who was playing at my local game store. I've only ever played with my, in garages at Games Workshop. Um you know how how different is a is a tournament or a you know a match play event uh, different than playing at my local game store 
whether it's Games Workshop or a, a games a friendly local. Different for me, or different as on just the game in general. Just like imagine I've never been to a tournament. Like, what are some of the things you would notice that were different? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Um, look, obviously at your local, you're probably going to be playing against people that are, don't have optimized lists. They're just coming through. You know, they've just thrown together their models and they're, they're like, I want to play these models on the board. Let's have a game. You know, that sort of thing at your local. Um, as a as a tournament player, you, you, you're seeing the, the optimized lists, of course. Um, you, you're getting those really nicely painted armies at times too. Um, but... Yeah, if, if you're going to a tournament, expect to expect to have a few hard games and you're probably going to be playing lists that you've never seen before. Um, like, we've got a very small community here, so I think every every tournament I've been to, I reckon nearly 50% of my games are against new, completely new armies I've never played before. So... Um, if if you want to be good at the game, um, you gotta you gotta learn these armies and know how they work. Um, and and look, if you just ask your opponent beforehand, and most people ask you, have you played against this list before, or have you have you played against this army before? And all you gotta say is no. You know, can you explain it? And I I, I haven't had anyone say no. They're not gonna explain the army to me. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a huge difference between tournament play and and your local local game store. Um, and I'm I'm even the same myself. If I just go down to the local game store, I'm just I'm just going down to have fun. I'm just I'm not making an optimal list. I'll still make a a lot of the time it'll still end up being a half competitive list just because it just is. But um, yeah, it, it's more just to go have fun when you go to a local store as opposed to a tournament. Um, and for me, for example, being living where we live, um, it's always a minimum three to four hour a trip to get to a to a tournament. So you to go that far for a tournament, I always feel like you're going there to perform and play at your best. Otherwise, it's it's a lot of money and a lot of time out of your out of your life to just go somewhere just for a, a fun weekend. If like I still have fun, but. Um, that's just how I see it. Um, like even this year, I only managed to get to three tournaments. We had a had a baby early in the year, and um, it's just yeah, it's just hard trying to get away from young family, really. Um, so you got to try and make the most of it when you do get to the tournaments and 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 perform your best. So that's that's sort of how I see um, the difference between yeah your local store and your tournament games. Big fan of the phrase "trying to get away from your young family." By the way. <laughs> Yeah. Makes it sound like a prison break. Oh, uh, it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> Magro, um, I'm talking about. I got a dog, so uh, I, I wish I could. I was this close to bringing my dog to, to the old Sydney GT location, but that oh. is. Uh, it was very. I actually could have, but uh, maybe that's next year. Um, One thing I also wanted to say about that question is as someone like who used to work for GW and stuff. I remember there was a huge discussion where people were saying like, I want to take, and you see this question a lot on Facebook where people are like, I'm going to my local GW tournament with a thousand point or whatever, write me the most optimal list. <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Like, do you guys see that question on Facebook a lot? Yeah, and like, yeah. like, like my response always is, is that the Games Workshop stores, and let's just straight up, like the Games Workshop stores are designed for beginners. Like you're probably going to be playing like newcomers, like people who literally just started out. 
if you're gonna rock up with the most competitive list you've written, like that store or that event is not the right one. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm. like your you whatever list you want to take that thousand point two thousand point list, take it to a um and like a tournament kind of thing like uh independently run if that makes or sense find, like or find a, ma- a local mate that wants to or a local mate practice because and practice like because i'm telling you right now like there is a 50 50 chance right you'll go down to that local event and you'll probably play like three new people and those three new people you'll never see again yeah 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 i've, I've seen too mm. many people leave the hobby because they got their ass handed to them in a casual environment um and uh they just they just had such a bad time that it come back now obviously we're not talking at a tournament we're talking about a local game store they might have like a one day uh with three three games in a row kind of thing uh maybe it's like 20 bucks store credit kind of up up for grabs so yeah you know the stakes are not high um so that's a really good point liam yeah like that's I think the one big thing. thing with it with with a i don't want to say proper tawny because that sounds but like an independent larger tawny let's let's call it a a gt let's say gts like yeah gts yeah okay so the cool thing with the gt is that because you've got so many players there's a big sample size so the chance of finding someone who is just like you when it comes to their hobby is so much better and the great thing about swiss system you know that's the term for as you go through the tournament, guys with loads of wins will play guys with loads of wins. Guys who have lost all their guys, all of their games will play guys who have lost all their games. It means that sooner rather than later, you're going to be playing at your level, which just means that it's, you know, whether that's top of the table, it is more enjoyable playing someone who's, you know, right up there in terms of power if you are as well, than just smashing someone off in half an hour. Or if you're not great and it's one of your first tourneys or you're not running a really optimized list, then you'll get to play games that are representative of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the cool thing is, you know, I had a lot of people inquiring for Sydney GT. They're like, oh, this is my first tournament. Should I come? And the answer is yes. Come to a tournament. Uh, one, you get the experience. Two, you get to meet the community. And three, even if you're brand new, you're going to get five games or three games in a row. You're going to learn a lot about your army. And it's not like you're going to be playing the best of the best for five games. You're going to be playing people, yeah, the first game or two, you might you might have a really tough matchup. But if you lose that first game or you lose that first two games, you're going to be playing people of equal, I guess, power level or, or skill level. So um, definitely come to events, whether it's Australia or globally. Um, yeah, and that's that socialising point is a big part of it because – hard to say this without sounding douchey but um because i'm more experienced and you three will all have the same thing i'm sure at tawny's i get people you know who are very fresh into the game in general or corn specifically coming up to me asking for advice going hey i've i want to be a bit more competitive than i am you know or i want to change something up what do you think and it's not a thing of oh, they'll ask you because you're amazing at the game. They'll ask you because you're experienced. And it's like, hey, I want to make this list, you know, more competitive at a tourney. You're competitive at the tourney with a similar army or the same faction. How are you doing it? So it's a way of opening up those avenues for self-improvement. 
Yeah. You learn yeah. more from your losses than you do from your wins. Like, Mago and I's yeah. first event was the first CanCon, Ada Sigma CanCon. And, mm. like... Same. And that was... And, like, we've all, like, not looked back. Like, that was insane event. Yeah. Was well, we've... We've, yeah. we've traveled together, like, you know, Matt, Liam, we, we traveled to Brisbane together, you know, and I would call you guys mm -hmm. mates now. We, you know, we, we hang out, yeah. we, we chat, we, you know, we, we've formed a friendship um, and, and, and you do that, you know, as you meet people and you see them again and again and again, um, you know, you connect on Facebook, you follow them on Twitter, uh, whatever that might be, but, you know, you find that, you know, you start building friendships. Um, yeah. So while that first first or second one might be awkward, you might not know as many people. Um, you really do get to know the community, and that's that's the beautiful part of this hobby because the community is behind you, three hundred and sixty five days in a year. While those tournaments are, you know, every quarter, every six months, every three months, depending on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Now speaking yeah. about time and dates and stuff. Next question is, why do you guys give up your weekends to attend a Warhammer event? Matt Campbell. <laughs> there we go. I just realized I was oh, like, if I say Matt, I'm that, like, shit. <laughs> that narrows it down by one person. Um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting question. I mean, the things I like doing on a weekend when I get the chance are to socialize, go out for a beer, and play some Warhammer of Unlucky. So this is a great way to socialize with people I know especially people I don't get to see all the time when it's interstate people or even just people I don't see all the time from Sydney. Um, you get a couple drinks at most tourneys these days are at places where they have bars and you get more Warhammer than you could ever need in a weekend. So it's, it's that, you know, I essentially get to play my hobby all week, all weekend and get to justify it. Yeah. Fair, fair response. The mayor? Um, I just love playing the game, to be honest. Um, I play, I, on average, I play once a week as it is, um, just because I love playing. Um, and then to go away for a tournament is just the next step up. It's, um, especially as I said earlier, with having, with having family, um, it's sort of a weekend where you know you can just play games and not have to worry about family because um, a lot of the time, you know, you might organise a game with a mate on a weekend and then something comes up and then you've had to call it off or, you know, you get halfway through a game and you've got to go home for some reason, family issues or whatever, you know, you don't get that at a tournament. So you that, going to a tournament's just, I, I really find it a really enjoyable time. Um, I love catching up with a lot of the new mates I'm making from it. Um, as I said earlier, I don't get to go to a lot of tournaments. So when I do, I try and try and socialize as much as I can um, and catch up with the whole community that you, you do get to chat to on social media and that um, even through podcasts now. Um, but it's always better to be talking to people one-on-one -on -one in person, having a drink and yeah, look, I, I'd give up every weekend if I could to play tournaments. But it's just, obviously you just can't for for life reasons but um yeah i just like i just enjoy the competitiveness I, I just enjoy friendship everything so yeah love it yeah that's i love it and i think your dog agrees as well yeah he's like <laughs> he's like matt piss off matt piss off i want you to get another tournament 
Um, wishes he could leave and play every weekend. That is another hammer blow to that young family he was telling us about. Yeah, yeah, he's just like the the the, the movie star celebrityness is is coming out from the mayor. Um, yeah, too big time for it now. <laughs> I'm going to ask Litton a question, and this comes from Doug, aka Two Plus Tough. And uh, on Twitter, he asked, um, "What is the level of hobby down under?" So. Uh, I know he went to Nova recently, which is a, an American event, and he was blown away not just about the competitive nature of the players, but also the amount of work that's gone into their armies, their display boards, their basing. How would you describe the level of hobby within the Australian community? Uh, uh, Mayor, Mayor first. Um, look, I, I think I think Clint back in the first um, that first CanCon tournament really set the bar high for the Australian tournament scene with painting um and level of hobby um but just the fact that he actually had to take models off a couple of ga for a game and, and people just saw that and went wow we actually need to step up our game we need to paint our models um etc so yeah i look I, I think you know we're i don't know we're probably not a golden demon standard style um hobby but there is some very very nice painted models uh painted armies in the scene and and when you get to play against those armies um like i did at, at border wars i got to play against andrew bigwood and he actually won the painting um painting award at at, at aubrey um and his his army looked amazing on the table um it's just getting to play against those sort of armies it's it's really nice to look at um but yeah look i think our i think our level of hobby is as an average, I think it's it's probably above average worldwide. I, I, only because of our our standards have to be at that average to get um, points in tournaments um, and and to even get out get our models on the board. Um, so I think I think our level is I'd say above average. I wouldn't say it's as I said it's not golden demon standard across the board, but it's there is a lot of nice nice hobby painted armies and and conversions etc but yeah i think it's pretty pretty high to be honest yeah i think i think you've just got to look at people like uh, ben spinetti or you know nathan princey uh you know or deke johnston or like there's lots of different players out there who are good players they are very good players and some of them are you know uh very I mean, dan brewer is another one not only is he a great player but he's also a, a really good painter so um I think you do see those those really creeping up and i think part of the australian meta or the australian community holds onto their models longer than maybe others maybe it's the cost of the dollar maybe it's the fact that um people aren't as quick to kind of change armies or whatever it might be but i think because we've had more time with our models uh we traditionally find we put a bit more effort into it i don't know maybe we don't have to rush or uh because we don't have as many tournaments on a weekly basis uh we've got a bit more time in between events i don't know yeah hmm. my observations yeah i agree like we our hobby especially the first game comp but like the fact that like our paint rubric is like you get points for conversions conversions for like paint for freehand and stuff you get all those people doing some extra stuff and like and like straight up like picking the coolest army award is probably the hardest thing of the whole event yeah if that makes sense like there's so many cool armies like Princey's like Space Wolf Stormcast army that we well you all saw joke Twitter around. you saw Twitter explode on uh, about around Sydney GT with Ben Spinetti having that octopus bar with Lotan that was just yeah. you know he did no, great at the 
he did great at the event, but he does little quirky things like this. And but he's not the only one. There's lots. Yeah, of he's not the only one at that. Yeah, like we saw some cool, like straight up some cool hobby. You always have those people who just do bare minimum, get battle because the hobby part of the like the painting part of the hobby is not for them. But you do have those people who are like straight up like put conversion work and stuff and everything. And like I'm not gonna lie. Without that painting rubric that Clint first brought out with like do this, do that, and then like expanded it and like said like you get points for this, get points for that. I like even I myself have like put so much time and effort into my hobby just so I can like be like, cool, I want my army, I want to put my army on the table and be proud of it. And also make sure that my opponents having a good time seeing a cool army on the other side, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just want to mm. answer, by the way, Chief's asked a really good question. He said, um, from what the mayor is saying, do you think uh yeah, do you do you have to have a certain level of of painting to to be eligible for a tournament? Um, so speaking on behalf yes. of the average Australian tournament, um, and this might not be across uh, the globe. So I know I know we've got a pretty good reach, but uh, in Australia, the the traditional um, painting requirements is what they what Games Workshop now quotes battle ready, which is uh, three colors at minimum um plus the base painted so you might use a textured paint you might put some sand and you know paint it green or, or whatever but uh making sure there's no undercoat or prime and you've and the model is painted at least with three colors um that is the i guess the foundational basics of what would be expected in australia um if you come to an event with that you are absolutely fine you'll ne you won't have your models removed um but certainly i think um as you get into the hobby uh, more and more people uh, raise the bar and they try to bring their, their best painted. So, and, um, and, it, and for people that want to do well at tournaments, you, you've also got extra points if you do paint your models more, um, as Liam was saying. So it's, yeah, if you rock up to a tournament with your, your base paint, you know, your base minimum standard, you, you're losing out on, on normally some tournament points or however it works. So right. you want to you try would... and do that a bit extra. I would say though that you know don't don't look at the painting rubric and look at that going oh I couldn't achieve maximum points because I don't know how to freehand I don't know how to use you know object so, you know, source lighting uh, I'm not going to attend the event um, definitely come but um, you know don't see that as a barrier but certainly a minimum goal um, to achieve to give people an idea to answer this question like on average the maximum painting score is thirty but we cap it at twenty five so you could score thirty. But to go to your event TPs or whatever, it's twenty five. I'm pretty sure. And we straight up said the minimum you can get. Can can right, twenty. Can can twenty. So they've actually yeah. re reduced the bar. So um, uh, if you have a display board, you get some points. If you have yeah. some conversions, you get points. If you have done some freehand, you get points. Um, so depending on what you want to do, you can but, earn points. But what I was going to say was minimum is like fifteen points on average. Or something ridiculous or like maybe 10 now i don't know but all you need to do is have three color minimum have all your basing um pretty much looking the same so the army looks cohesive because that's a point making sure your army looks cohesive if you can get those three things pretty sure that equals up to like 10 points or something so yeah yeah i mean um, i'm i'm so not like a hobbyist by trade i don't i'm not great at the paint scores but as Liam will point out, whenever I go to take a photo of my army or something I'm painting up, I suffer from shaky hands when I go in to do detail on a model or something. 
So, yeah, I'm absolutely shocking at the fine details of the painting, but then also taking photos of it subsequently. But through things like you just, in order to get those max points, you just got to pick what you can do. So I will use a lot of dry brushes. I'll use washing. Contrast paints are great for people who aren't great at the details. So you can get them to a really good standard. And then once you start chucking in things like conversions throughout the army, you know, basic freehand is pretty achievable. You know, I'm not going through and painting up dwarven ruins and, you know, high elf writing and stuff. But even something like a dodgy sigil of corn or something like that, chuck in a display board, you know, head down to your or somewhere, pick up a small whiteboard, put your basing stuff on it, and you've got a decent display board there for your army. You know, it it's there to encourage you to engage in parts of your hobby that you otherwise wouldn't. And my thing with yeah. my army has always been I'm not going out for Golden Demon Awards, but I do, I, I always want my army to play its part aesthetically. So if I chuck mine down opposite some of our best painters like Travis or Ash or Brewer or Ben or uh, Mabry or Deke, you know, it, there's too many to mention. I will have insulted so many people then who are top level. But um, I, I basically like to think that my army adds to it rather than looks like a pile of trash and detracts from it. You know, as long as your army looks striking and looks like it belongs on that battlefield, I, I think absolutely that's all you could ever ask for. The easiest way to, to learn more about this, so um, if you've never been to a tournament, um, the, uh, what, what happens is a tournament organiser like myself uh, would put together this document called a player's pack where they'll illustrate uh, a whole bunch of expectations or things that you can expect from the event, and it might be the missions that you're going to play. Uh, it's going to be how your army would be judged for painting. Um, and to Joel McGrath's point, who uh, who mentioned earlier, who has his opinion on, on where, where paint scores land, um, some tournaments might say, look, you don't get points um, for, for painting, but it's an expectation, while some others may incentivize it. So they'll, they'll tell you how you can win the event and, and how you can earn your points, uh, whether it's submitting your army on time, your, your list, or whether it's um, the amount of best opponent votes you get, um, that, that tournament organiser will illustrate one that's different. And um, that's probably a really good point to call out is um, in 40K, in America, for example, uh, you do get these communities that are based around what's called the ETC, which is a uh, I guess an organization and a format that everyone follows. It's a, a I wouldn't say a strict guideline, but certainly a framework. Um, in Australia, we don't have that framework, which means every organizer uh, does something a little bit different, which can be fun, but also could be frustrating because each tournament uh, would have different expectations. But there's a level of consistency across the group. Um, so and I think that's where we get interesting things happening between you know, the Bush Bash versus Sydney GT versus RCGT versus Brizhammer versus, you know, Slaughter. There's so many different uh, nuances and there's something for everyone. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, speaking of events, uh, what are some of the big events that you guys have attended or, like, what's what are some of the landmark Australian events that um, that people should aspire to attend at in some point in their, in their life? Can't come. <laughs> okay, CanCon. What 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 is CanCon and why? 
<laughs> uh, well, I don't know. That was the first tournament I ever went to, but it's it's now Australia's well and truly Australia's biggest tournament. Um, the world's the world's largest event. Well, yeah, the world's. Let's say let, let, it, well, is, it, it is. It is. It's it is. Factually, it is. It is. No, no, definitely the world's biggest. Definitely yeah. the world's biggest, and whoever wins it is the best player in the whole universe. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and they get to uh, repeatedly talk on the Heralds Below and remind uh, Clint Mallet that they won CanCon. But... <laughs> Jeez. Um, Sorry, man. Yeah, so CanCon. CanCon's one. Definitely one. Um, the only other big events I've, I've really been to are Sydney GT, um, which I went to last year as well. Um, and then... Yeah, and then you've got your smaller ones. So I, that they're the only two I can really talk about as far as big G, uh, big GTs go. So, yeah, what about you other guys? Like, they, I, I want to get to Sydney Slaughter. It's probably another one. Um, that That's probably one that I'd really like to get to. Um, it just normally comes up. I think it's – is it on a long weekend, I think? It's um, on the Queen's, Queen's birthday. Yeah, uh, and when, as a family, we're always doing something for the long weekends. It's always a hard time of year to, to go. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably one tournament I'd really like to get to, and and one of the big ones up in in Brisbane area in Queensland there, uh, I'd really like to get up there for a tournament and just to meet meet the community up there that I haven't met yet, um, and and play in one of their tournaments. Yeah, uh, all of the ones you mentioned are great. Obviously, we're all from Sydney, so CanCon, Sydney GT, Sydney Slaughter are all close by. Um, if Shadow Emma GT ever comes back, obviously cheeky plug for Liam. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout different states, I would say uh, Runax is coming up from um, coming up this weekend, and that's huge. Even though it's not like a single player, I always love it because it's massive. Um, but it, Lords of War down in Melbourne, I've never made the trip myself but i've heard really amazing things that i love next year uh sagt so south australia gt uh i think doom looks after that one doesn't yep, he that's that's doom and darkness's uh event that's one i want yep, to uh, for sure mm, and then i just know queensland is like ridiculous for it they seem to have one every other weekend so um yeah i would say those are most of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I'm not sure about Western Australia. I know they've got a scene out there. Yeah, they've got but, they've got um, a big they've got a big CanCon like a convention called Soho or uh, Southern Hemisphere Open. Um, I give a shout out to Brizhammer. Um, I give shout outs to the Measured Gaming Boys. They've got the Bush Bash and they've got um, uh, uh, BadgerCon, uh, which are their two big events. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of. It's, I think Bruce Hammer. I don't know if I mentioned Bruce Hammer. Liam, um, shout out our crew over in New Zealand, and to Tristan, Tristan, who's in the chat right now, screaming things like Bobo and uh, all that good stuff. We are talking about Australia, but if we're talking international scene, we would talk uh, in America. You've got Adepticon, LVO, and Nova. You've got Ken, Ken Hammer up in um, Canada. You've got Bobo, you've got uh, Blood and Glory, which is on this weekend. You've got, um, uh, what's it called? Um, I've forgotten the the formerly the biggest one. I've just had a, a my blank. But Liam, talk to us about. No, not LVO. That's it. Pardon? Oh, um, South Coast. Yeah, South Coast. South Coast GT. 
Um, yeah. so there's a lot of cool, big events, obviously. Um, this Chris Tomlin runs a great event. There's a lot of a lot of events across the globe. Um, so my big events that I highly recommend is, of course, CanCon. Um, I have to say that the two events that have been a highlight for me for, like, let's say, competitiveness and stuff was Lords of War by the Dwellers. I did enjoy getting home at 4.30 a.m. and um, waking up the next morning regretting everything, but at the same time not regretting it. Um, that was such a good weekend. Like, I can't get enough of it. Um, that was awesome. So I'm definitely going next year. And then I got, like, can I say that we got, like, Notorious GT from New Zealand? Like, even yeah, though that, that was that was, that was No, that was, that was what I was trying to refer to is you, you went yeah. to Notorious GT, so they're a New yeah, Zealand Yeah, Notorious friend. GT, they are so good. And the fact that I know that I could stay, and as well as Hayden and Clint, who also went as Aussies, that was awesome fun. And the fact that we've recruited, I think, over 12 Clan Filth members going to that event next year already at the moment. Like, there is, like... 10 or 12 people deciding to turn up. So yeah, like that's an event to like look out for. Cause that's not just as, just as New South Wales at the moment. So we don't even know about Melbourne or Queensland going over there. Um, and Runax was also an event because it's a team event. So it's something different. Um, big big, big and- shout as well from Tristan Gray, who's in Canada, who's saying the Anzac cup. So this guy literally on the other side of the world is shouting out the Anzac cup as well. So um, go I don't ahead. know if that's happening next year though. Well, either way, we had the Anzac Cup. That was a yeah. We had the Anzac Cup. That was a good one, but that was actually really fun. But um, Renax is definitely one to put on my cat, like on your calendar, because it's a team event, and I don't know. Team event is just a different atmosphere because you're with four, three other players, and you're trying to like know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and trying to like know who to pair them up with, kind of thing. So yeah. it's a very much like a good team exercise, which you never really have in a competitive scene. Like you don't like in like single single. Like, cause it's every man for himself, but this one's like, yeah, like everyone come together, let's work as a team and try and get it out. And yeah. And it was just awesome fun. Like I think our first season of rankings and stuff, we had a team event uh, run by Heralds and mortally wounded, which was fun. And then Gabe has taken that mantle and doing it and he's killing it. So yeah. Yeah. Those are the events that I just like, they're on my calendar and I look forward to. Um, and of course, the new slaughter because it's a bit different because it's custom scenarios, which is like a different flavor. Like, it's just good because it's around that time of the year where we're sick of the GHB. Like, we don't want to touch it. So it's refreshing. So, yeah. But yeah. Not very cool. So the reason why we're listing all this out is I wanted to uh, kind of, kind of um, frame this up a little bit to say, well, um, how does it all work and how does a competitive scene come together? And that is coming through the Australian match play rankings. Now, this is a system that uh, Clint from the Heralds of War puts together. Uh, it is a way to combine Australia. And basically what happens is um, each tournament is uh, is ranked, essentially. And the more players that are happening in a tournament, uh, the more fictitious points are available. Yeah. Now, obviously, there are prizes and there's monetary things and, you know, you can get rich and retire playing a Warhammer um, <laughs> maybe one day. I don't know, not today. But, you know, obviously, there are prizes and there's cool things you can win. But uh, the thing that really drives our community is this match play ranking system. And the reason it drives our community is uh, I mentioned right at the start of the stream is we have 
this annual event called the Masters, which essentially brings the best of the best together to fight it out to ultimately see who is the best Australian Warhammer player in the year. Now, Dave Kerr uh, has won it in 2017. He won it again in 2018. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to fight for him uh, and fight <laughs> against him as well. Uh, I, know, I know he has a big following up in, in Queensland for the Mango Mafia. Literally every Queenslander will fight for him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, it's like Game of Thrones. They would uh, follow that White Walker to the end of time. No, it's the North, <laughs> King of the North. Follow the King he, of the North. Right. Do you even watch Game of Thrones? You're wearing a house dark hat, and no, you never, don't even well, understand the story. What are you on about? I followed the White Walker. Um, anyway, oh God. Liam, triggered. <laughs> Liam's just it. offended because he looks like a White Walker. I love triggering. I love triggering Liam. This is, this is what gets the, gets the ratings. Anyway, <laughs> let me explain. So for the people who are on the podcast, I would highly recommend you type in um, the Australian uh, ranking system or Australian rankings into your Googles, and it'll oh. come up with a website. But, or just go rankings.heraldsofwar.com. That's way easier than just going through Google. Anyway, so <laughs> what, what, what you will see Seriously, here, just mute him. I'm going to kill. Look, if he wears his sexy elf costume, I'm definitely booting Liam. Um, I will need a new co host, uh, but he is definitely on his last legs. I might invite Danny Carroll, my uh, my former free people friend. Um, anyway, although he's a dweller, he might not come in. So, what you've got here is you have um, what you have here is every a player in Australia who has played in a tournament. Um, and this kind of correlate, it kind of uh, captures the whole year. In fact, there are names from last year and the year before, and they just don't have any points. Now, what you're seeing here is the ladder. So you're seeing Matt Campbell. You're currently first at the top with um, with 298.81 points. Uh, we see Charles Black, Corey, Ryan, Ash, uh, Sam Morgan, Matt Tyrrell. You're up here, number seven. And you can see here that this ladder. Uh, correlates all of the players. Liam, where are you? Are you here yet? Yeah, I'm 26. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Keep scrolling. 26. No, you dropped to 28. What do you know? <laughs> anyway, I'm 41. Yay. Um, so what you're seeing here is a, is every player here. And uh, what happens is it, combina it combines <laughs> combines um, the, uh, the tournament points you accumulate. So uh, I'll come to myself for example. Actually, we'll go to Matt. Oh no, we'll go to me. We'll go to we'll go to Liam. Let's pick on Liam. So we can click on Liam, and uh, no, we can to, see all of the all the tournaments that uh, Liam has attended this year. Now, to qualify for a tournament, um, our events need to be a minimum size. I think the minimum player size now is sixteen from memory. Twenty-four. Um, it's twenty-four. Twenty-four. So twenty-four. Oh, no, sorry, at, sorry, sorry. No, sixteen because nine. No, it's sixteen still. Yeah. Yeah. So I was right. Um, so, <laughs> I'm always right. 16, 16 players, minimum three games. Now, the, the larger the event, the more points that are available and the larger the pool. So don't worry about that for now, but just know that uh, people are accumulating points. Anyway, we're looking at Liam here. And Liam, this calendar year, I mentioned that the season started on the 1st of November. You can yep. see here that in this calendar year or this tournament year, Liam's attended Lord of War, Sydney Slaughter, Border Wars, uh, Anzac Cup, CanCon, uh, the Games Cube, uh, which is a one-day event. Um, John McGrath's correcting and saying it's 12 players. I thought it got bumped, uh, but that's okay. Regardless, uh, you're looking at it. There's a minimum player size. Anyway, 
you can see that Liam has accumulated points. The, the bigger events get more stuff. Uh, and what happens is now, in order to stop this from being a system that the person who just attends the most amount of tournaments gets the most amount of points, we capture the, the top three uh, points or the, or the best performances out of your top three uh, events attended. So we can see that Liam... Um, uh, did his best at the Lords of War, Sydney Slaughter, and Border Wars coming 8th, 8th, and 14th. So, um, however, you could Poor see performance. that. Well, I mean, you know, you, you didn't, you were, you're a TO at Sydney GT, which could have been, um, you know, a very big pool of points because it was uh, a large, a large player base. Oh, uh, I but, don't mind. I wasn't going for Masters this year, but I'm just more triggered that the 14th one, I'm pretty sure I lost by one point, which bumped me down to 14th. But I'm, like, just, I'm just I'm, I'm just explaining. So it's fine. He doesn't even care. Whatever. Move on. <laughs> anyway, so so and you can and and you know in, what you can do is you can type in you know I'm playing at a uh, 50 player event. We're only going to play three rounds. It's a, I don't know. It's a one day R, and I come I don't know 11th. It will tell me how many points that I would actually score. So it's pretty cool. So basically, you know, if I want to try to break into the Masters. Um, I'm really gunning for what, uh, 260 points, kind of at minimum. That's kind of really my benchmark for this calendar year. Yeah. Now, yeah. unfortunately, the season's over, but next year as we move into the tournament scene, uh, I have a benchmark of what I'm striving for. Um, and essentially, these top 16 players, so Chris Tot up to uh, Matt Campbell, uh, will all get an invitation to attend the Masters. And should they not accept, uh, we will invite a few others. Uh, not going too low, uh, maybe family or financial uh, situations may stop them from coming. But that is it. Um, and you can see here that, you know, not only is Matt Campbell a great player, but he's also got this little icon. And we, we give out icons, whether it's uh, Best Blades of Corn, uh, you know, Skaven. Most important uh, icon. <laughs> uh, I think this one is the, uh, the Marco Colombo who attended the most tournaments. So anyway. <laughs> In a nutshell, this is the competitive match play scene that kind of overarches everything we do. We can go into more details about this, but uh, I wanted to give that kind of quick introduction on, on the incentive and the thing that drives people um, to either start new armies for the new competitive season, to absolutely smash it out of the park and... Um, and, 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 and attend these types of events. These are the motivator of, you know, Matt, I know, uh, attending Masters this year was definitely a goal, while, you know, Matt, uh, one of your goals may have been to keep getting invita inv invited, 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 I'm crushing it. it, crushing it. I'm going to stop sharing the screen because I'm losing the plot. So let me ask you, Mr. Matt Campbell, what is the Australian Masters? <laughs> Um, the Australian Masters or Dave Kerr Invitational, uh, <laughs> as we like to call it, um, it's basically a using the Heralds of War system that um, Coach has just been over there. Um, it basically it works out the top-ranked tournament players, has them all come down to an event where pretty much everyone is geared towards playing competitively at that point. Um, but it retains that Swiss pick feel of, you know, you pretty much have to win all five games to realistically win the Masters. You know, 
four mages and a minor might do it. I'm not sure what's happened historically with that. But, yeah, you pretty much have to be at 100% because so many good players are all at the one place that one slip-up is going to cost you there. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, Matt Tyrrell, this is your – and Matt Campbell's attended two out of two um, Masters so far. So we've uh, this is our third – uh, Age of Sigma um, Masters. I believe there was a Warhammer Fantasy version um, prior to this. Um, but Matt Tyrrell, this is your first. You know, I know 2019, this was a goal of yours to get the invitation. So I guess my my question is, why was it a goal uh, to attend Masters? Why was it important? Why is it something that was, I wouldn't say driving you, but certainly why was it an aspiration for you? Um, well, as I alluded to earlier, I've always been a, a competitive person um i always want to do well at things um so to to go to tournaments and and finish high and then and then obviously get to masters um another thing is i do enjoy playing the better players um that you know that's why i grudged matt at sydney gt i wanted to know like where i'm situated to be up against the better players as well like um like People like Dave Kerr, I've never played him before. Um, but obviously Adam Burt was ranked pretty high up last year for most of the year, and I've played a lot of games against him. Um, and he's a very good player. And I just enjoy watching good players play on the table and, and see how they how they play their armies and how they respond to, to certain things. Um, so for me to get to Masters was... I actually really wanted to get there last year. Um, I only sort of just missed out with the, I think it was 24 players were invited last year. Uh, I think I finished about 30 uh, or 32 or something with dropouts. I kind of just missed out. Um, had a few good results last year, but not obviously not good enough. So this year was, at, at the start of the year, it actually wasn't a goal because I knew I was having a baby and I thought I wouldn't get to enough tournaments. Um, but then when I finished pretty well at CanCon, um, I think I finished ninth. I got 90, I think you get 98 points or 96 points for ninth. And then at Border Wars, um, I played off at the top table in the last game um, against Chris and... You know, and then I end up finishing, I think, seventh, but that still got me 80-something points. And then at, at Sydney, but, but, and then after, obviously after Aubrey, um, I just, we'd, our baby was only like a month old. And after that, I hadn't really played any other tournament. I didn't get time to play tournaments until the Sydney GT one was coming up. And I thought, well, you know, there's a good chance to get good points at Sydney GT. So I sort of decide, well, now's the time – you know, I really need if I want to get there, I still can. Um, as so, yeah. So it was one of those things I wanted to do last year, and I, I just missed out. And then I thought this year would be just a complete write-off, but um, managed to do it with just the three games, which was which was pretty good. Um, so yeah, so, I, miss, I'm just, so yeah, missing yeah. out last year and uh, finishing quite high at CanCon uh, was a, was a bit of a motivator to go. Well, I, I mean, I've had a good start. Uh, yeah. I'm now going to continue. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably what hurt me last year because I took, I took Beast Level Raiders last year to CanCon and I finished I think about fifty odd in in the time. I still did well. I had I think three three and three and two or something and could have went four four and one. But um, yeah, I, I 
it was. It, it, it's always been a goal since I started playing in the last two years competitively. Um, and then also last year to have both Jesse Perkins and Adam Burt make it to Masters. You know, they give me shit all the time about their – they show me their mugs or whatever it is they got for <laughs> for attending Masters. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it'll be good to, to get there and be able to rub yeah. it back in their face a bit too. <laughs> and, get a, and get a mug. Yeah, get a mug this year because neither of those – I don't think. Oh, Jesse wasn't too far off um, in the rankings, but yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it's always a goal. As I said, I've always been a competitive person. So anyone that's competitive, they always want to be the best, or they always want to play against the best. So yeah, that's that's why I wanted to do it. Solid. Yeah. Um. So Campbell, this is your third invite. What is it like mm-hmm. getting an invite from Clint? Well, obviously, it's always, like, a really nice thing to get because it's kind of affirming if you're a competitive player. Obviously, Masters is where you want to end up. Um, On a personal level, Clint has a really nice persona outwardly. But as soon as he's in your DMs, he's actually a very aggressive guy. He kind of tells you you're going to Masters, a lot of yelling, a lot of passive aggressiveness. So, I mean, that's that's really your first hurdle. I mean, if you can survive Clint's, I'm going to say it, bullying, um, then you're well on your way. It's like you get faced in front of a Jaguar, and then if you can handle the initial Jaguar, like you've got the courage to to take on the Dave Kerr's of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Next to Dave is a really great player, but he's a very nice guy. Clint is just <laughs> an aggressive human. That actually might answer. Yeah. Uh, Danny Carroll asked a question on Twitter, and he said, uh, "Why do people drop out of Masters?" And that actually, I thought it might be, you know, you know, I've got family time, I can't travel, I don't have the money, I've got work events. But it sounds like that's the real answer. The answer is they cannot handle the the cougar, that is Clint. <laughs> yeah, no, I I tried my best to actually throw Sydney GT because I just didn't want Clint messaging me again. He j- <laughs> he, he scares me. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I'm joking, Clint. I love you. Liam, let me ask you that question as well. You've you've attended Masters twice. Um, yeah. Like, like, what goes through your head when you get the invitation for Masters? Um, what kind of filth can I write in like a month? <laughs> um, straight up. Um, nah. Um, for when I get the invite, it's pretty cool. Like, I remember my first year. I remember this. I remember like. Um, uh, first year, it was pretty exciting because like, it was pretty fresh and we were like, and you, so Magro, Matt and myself, we've all got invited and yeah, it was pretty cool. And it was just kind of like being like, wow, this is like, I enjoy this game and apparently I'm good at it. Like, apparently I actually know what I'm doing. And then getting invited for the second time was like, okay, cool. Like this is also kind of helped when I lived up the road from it. So I'm like, cool. It's just another event for the weekend, just up the road. Um, but to me, it was just, it's just cool to get that invite being like, Hey, you have done well this year in this tournament season. Um, here's your invite to masters and yeah. And like, it's just cool to get that. And I, it just kind of makes all that hard work when you're playing the top tables and stuff kind of worth it. If that makes sense. Like, even though we have a great time at events, we're still trying to have fun, but like you are 
trying to do your best in those games. Like you're not trying to throw them away like Sydney GT Campbell, who's like trying to lose all his games but still somehow winning against the nation stuff. But um yeah, it's just a cool invite. Like you just it's it's like a nice reward. And it's for the past two seasons, it was like my goal to make masters like each time, being like, yep, I'm going to masters and going to masters. And then for me this year, like I kind of was like after Cancun, I was like, do I want masters or do I want to like just play games and meet new people? And that's when I met the New Zealand guys who were like, Hey, come to our event. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And yeah, but it's just a cool invite. Like, I don't know. It's, it's something that if you're a competitive player, it's a good to have a goal for like, like be like strive to be like, I'm going to attend one, but don't get it to your head where, your like it's when it all costs like money's on the line because there is no money on the line it's just like a mug you are going there to get a mug that is what you're well, going well, there for well i mean dave whatever dave kerr does in his real life he hasn't quit it to uh be a professional warhammer player and travel the yeah. world uh he's certainly not sponsored by any big gaming company so it's not like uh winning masters ch is going to change your life like the lottery but it's certainly a wonderful validation and a great reward for a competitive season uh yeah. i know it's last year happens, I... i'm buying slanesh <laughs> <laughs> when we can monetize tournament results then i get a slanesh army i will also just point out clint being very aggressive in the chat <laughs> yeah using uh using triple commas against you matt uh and so threat words like revenge you see yeah this 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 is the manfred coming out of him yeah worst um, mortark anyways hey, um seriously booting you um but I, I like so last year i had the privilege to uh be the live commentator actually on twitch uh so yeah. travis and i had actually called uh the masters and that was an absolutely fantastic experience because not only do we get to talk about warhammer across five games but you know seeing everyone who's very passionate about their army who are well practiced because you know they've been invited because they are doing a great job um they've played their army really well some people come to to masters with that army that they've been practicing for 12 months or more some people are like lol I'm just going to roll up and, and have fun with a different army. You know, I think Hayden Walker in his first year run, was it Order Draconis or Order Draconis elf combination? Just just funny story. So Luke Taylor was pretty much, this is for anyone who has been <laughs> I out forgot of the scene, about right? this. Yeah, okay. Quick story about first year masters. So Luke Taylor was like the boogeyman of the AOS competitive scene, right? Complete boogeyman. Like, everyone's like, it's hard to beat Luke. He has a strong list. It was like, Clan Sky pop up and we're going to burn the crap out of your list. He's right, wasn't he Anyways, running double Gaunt? Gaunt's... Yeah, double Gaunt Scorch or whatever. The the yeah. fun list. The very, um, how do you describe it? Very, ah. Uh... Anyways, it was a very fun experience for most people. I mean, like, 1%. Anyways, um, I remember that I was sitting the table behind Luke and I saw that Luke had his usual Clan Skyer, and then I see this ethereal Order Draconis army that Hayden painted up in, I think, a month or two, or something really quickly done. And we we're all yeah. like, what does this list do? Anyways, an hour later, I turn around, and I have Luke saying, I just lost. And I was like, what? We'd all, we'd Everyone... all, tipped, we'd all tipped him because the, uh, the double... Um the Skaven list that would tunnel and just yeah. come up within three and absolutely annihilate you. Um, that was very, very tough to beat at the time. Uh, but so then hard. on the same time, this was during the time where I was at Warrior Brotherhood 
uh, I think game five where Chris Vanguard Welfare wing. and the Vanguard wing, that's right. It was a double Vanguard wing where Chris Welfare and uh, Dr. Dr. Death, um, they were playing each other. But yeah, it's wonderful yeah. stories, lots of cool combinations. It's just a wonderful event. Yeah. And I think I'm going to pull up Joel McGrath's comment right here, which is a perfect summary. It says, getting the invite is the win. Getting, there, getting to play on the weekend is the bonus. I think um, I couldn't, couldn't summarize it any better. Yeah. Um, it's just a good weekend, honestly. Like, mm. um, and can I just say that the table discussions at Masters is like next level because like, it's all about like, what are you taking to CanCon? Like, we're not actually talking about like the event itself. It's like, what are you taking to CanCon? Because CanCon's literally like a month after yeah. Masters. So yeah. And also Masters sometimes is for people like to practice their CanCon list. Like if they're going out to win CanCon, they'll take their CanCon list to Masters. Like that's what I did. And I was like, cool. Yes, Wargaming Dad. Yes. I'll bring it back up. Sorry, blood for the I'm blood god, Wargaming Dad. For the mm. people who are going to follow this on, on the podcast later, they're like, what is Matt Campbell talking about? And that is Wargaming Dad. Uh, not enough capitals for my liking. He just says blood for the blood god. So uh, you need more capitals, more exclamation marks, and even more commas. More, um, I need more capitals, more blood tithe. So um, let me ask. Yeah, go on. Go, go Magro, yeah. No, let him go. Look, I, I'm asking all the questions. You go. I thought you were going to keep talking about how the experience was with streaming. May you talk? Me, me. Uh, that was really cool. It was it was challenging. The setup we had was uh, was a, a little bit challenging. Only Travis could hear the uh, the audio from the tables. So I I was ha working off what I could see in my assumptions. But it was an awesome experience. Um, very very cool to be a fly in the wall to be at Masters, but not playing in Masters. I think. Liam, you know, when we played in the first year, um, you're so in the zone to play, but you don't get the opportunity to just look at the cool armies, chat to the cool people. And it was always yeah. fascinating because you're trying to get updates. Like, you know, poor Dennis, um, who was an assistant TO, I'm asking him constantly to get updates from the table because the chat was off the charts. You know, the chat is wants to know how their friend or how their, 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 their horse in the race is going. And you're trying to get updates from the table while they're completely, you know, in the zone um playing so uh, overall wonderful experience yeah because i played tot uh last year on the feed and yeah. we were aware that travis could hear us and that the coach couldn't and so all we were doing for about 30 minutes was swearing as viciously at our opponent as we possibly could to try and get travis to corpse and react on the webcam and he lasted a surprisingly long amount of time. It was hard to hear you guys as well. Um, I'll be honest, but uh, such a such a cool uh, and, and you know Josh, uh, the Fail Charge boys put on or and girls they put on a stream for Toowoomba GT. So I think the streaming concept is wonderful. If I got an invitation to stream again and be a part of that team, I'd absolutely do it in a heartbeat. It's such a cool experience. Um, but either way, it's just a fun weekend. Whether you, you know, in the first Masters that I attended, you know, win, lose, or draw. If I got, if I got sixteen out of sixteen, I got one out of sixteen. Uh, I think just the invitation of being there um, was enough of a reward. Even if you get last, you're still the top sixteen or whatever player in Australia, or whatever. Yeah. There's, like no, there's no easy games. There's absolutely no easy games at the Masters. Um, yeah. Um, but 
yeah, the next question is for both of you guys. Um, what is the difference between, well, Matt, you can probably answer this better, but what is the difference between Masters Not compared helpful. to a regular event? Not helpful. <laughs> Second name. Campbell. Campbell. Campbell, you can answer this better. No, I want, I want to hear what Mayor has to say on this one. So what do you expect is going to be different at the Masters versus a regular event? You know, and then, then, I, then I'd like Matt to, with, with his insight and wisdom from two years of competition, I'd love to hear what he has to say. But, Mayor, how, how, would you, how do you compare the two? Uh, look, I'm fully expecting to, to rock up to yeah, very hard opponents, very hard lists. Um, are 15, we 15 slanish lists? Uh, I, I don't think they will. I don't think we're that community, to be honest. Um, no, we'll just I, five. I think um, I think Joel McGrath's talking about. I think he's taking Slanesh just from watching what he's no, been doing. No, really. Um, but that's just that's what he's been playing. So I, I don't I don't hold that against him. I think you know he. Why wouldn't he take that list if that's what he's been playing? Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many Slanesh lists. To be honest, I think most of the top. Players don't even have Slanesh, do they? Yeah, uh, right. Like I know, I know, yeah, I know Ryan Hooper, who's in the top, um, was running Slanesh. Uh, and there's not Slanesh shaming, it's just we're, we're poking yeah, fun at the well, meta. Yeah. It, it's well, I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun. Uh, you guys can do whatever you want. Oh, oh, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, definitely, um, I definitely sort of writing a list at the moment that should hopefully help deal with um, Slanesh to a certain degree. Um just with trying to deny them um, depravity. So lots of one wound models, um, stuff like that. But I'm, I'm still haven't even really decided what army I'm taking. Is it, is that, is that wrong? I don't know. Um, if the ogre book comes out and I really enjoy playing the ogres, uh, you might even see me take, take them. So um, I've definitely got my death list uh, very much similar to the list I took to Sydney GT, just with less points, obviously. Um, but still with the same hard hitters, like the same Black Knights and, and Graveguard in that list. Um, but, yeah, if I enjoy playing Ogres in the next week or two and I can paint off enough stuff, they might they might come with me. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I'm expecting it not to be easy. That's for, for sure. Um, and, yeah, if you, if you win the first couple of games, it's definitely going to be a, a hard weekend. Um, like I know just from keeping track of the local boys last year. I think um, Adam lost his first game to Jenna um, and he sort of, he knew he wasn't going to win the Masters. So then he just sort of enjoyed his, his weekend. Well, the pressure's uh, off, right? Exactly. And I think Jesse might've won his first game, uh, then lost his second. And once he'd lost as well, he he's, mentality changed he was just there to have fun so i guess if i if i was to win the first couple of games it's going to be a very different experience to if i lost the first one and then you're, you're playing against other people that have lost games and then you're just there to have fun and talk shit and 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 all that and doom darkness is saying take more tribes <laughs> he right. wants to take uh, yep to campbell so, flip side so you're someone who's been there for two years now What's yes. different? Yeah. Um, just quickly, I will make an addendum to Joel. It's worth mentioning he took Slanesh last, last year, year when they were still really, really good, but not as good as they are now. So he gets a pass on it. Yeah. Everyone else just picking up on it. <laughs> Little bit of judgment. 
Yeah, Joel, um, Joel's, o, Joel's OG. He's an original gangster of Slanesh. Yeah. Yes. Um, but in general, I think one of the biggest changes you get is it's a more sort of intimate tournament. Um, and I'm not comfortable using that word once I've just been talking about Slanesh. But um, uh, in an entirely PG wholesome way, it's intimate. Because we're so used to these big GTs that like approach a hundred players or more, um, that when you get just sixteen people at an event, um, it's you, you get a chance to talk to everyone. If your game finishes up early, it's really easy to see literally everyone else's game. Yeah. Um, and you also get a chat to everyone. There's a relatively consistent group of people who go to most tournaments around Australia because obviously you can get into Masters just playing three events. Um, but it, obviously the more tournaments you play throughout the year, the more chance you give yourself of getting those three really big scores. And so it tends to be people you've seen consistently at tournaments throughout the year. Um, and I think the other big thing is everyone's coming with the same expectations. Masters is the one event where jokes about Slanesh aside, no one gets to be made fun of for the army they bring because it's the point, right? It, the yeah. best Masters are all 16, 24, however many players bringing lists that they are really comfortable with playing in a competitive setting. So I know my corn aren't top, top, top tier at the moment, but whether I bring mortals or beasts or demons to masters still making that decision up or whatever mix of the three, I will be bringing corn. Um, even if that takes the form of in the original beast claw Raiders book, there's a, uh, now more tribe, which rented its service out to, uh, Archeon. So I'm thinking all of my ogres may be getting corn symbols and some chaos bits added on to them to become corn ogres. So no matter what comes to Masters, I know it's not going to be that absolute top tier, but I'll bring something that I feel can play anyone and give anyone a game. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone everyone's got the right expectation, right? Like, you know, you're going in with a hard list, and if you're not going in with a hard list, you know you're going there for a good time. Hmm. For sure. Sick. Next question. How I'm just making prepare... space to make sure that you get to ask questions. <laughs> That's all right. No, because I was just like waiting for you to be like saying some like long thing. I'm like, Maggie's going to say something now. But um, what I was going to say about like how different it is as well, like my experience is similar to what Matt said, like it's pretty much all the people that you've been like competing against all year, if that makes sense. So it's mm. like kind of like a hangout at the same time. And like the fact that people travel, like the Benigo guys driven like 10 plus hours to play last year because it was in Sydney, yeah. um, which is kind of cool. Like, and that's, it's kind of like, it's the top 16. So it's kind of reminds me of like a games queue, but it's two days. Like you see your regular people, Right. So anyone who doesn't know what I mean by GamesCube, it's like your local G like gaming store event. But yeah, it's just a very different atmosphere because like first round's quite in I think best way to describe it is the first round's quite intense because everyone's like going for the win. And then as it goes on, it's only one section of the room that's really tense. If that makes sense. 
Yeah. Right, guys, yep. help me out here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, I think but... that's just here. Okay. That's <laughs> probably Everyone why else I had is it. Just happy to be there. Nice people. Liam is really tense. Yeah, I needed more drinks. Um, but yes, yeah, so the next question is: How do you prepare for a tournament where only the best of the best from Australia are invited? So, like, how many practice games will you guys be doing, or like, what? How many lists are you gonna be writing, and like, how many times are you gonna change your mind? before masters the man. that kind of actually goes up with what charles black asked in the chat or mentioned you know it's important top tier is nowhere near as important uh, with experience with the list at the level like getting yeah. getting uh knowing what your army can do it, this is not like you can go out and pick a i don't know a fire slayer list off the internet that you know jack armstrong ran and you just drop it at <laughs> masters and you're, you're the best you know being robust and really testing your knowledge and your skill at this level um is is often critical um, for, for success at the Masters. But, yeah. yeah, how do you guys prepare? Teach. I think it would be it would be a mistake to do something like that because you're coming up against players who, say, take Joel, for instance, Slanesh, absolutely a top-tier army, and he's got experience at it. So am I really going to try and out-Slanesh Joel or am I going to take a corn army and go, I'm going to play to my strengths. It's something that I've played for the best part of three years I know what everything does. I have contingency plans on contingency plans for everything. So I I would recommend taking something that is good. You know, no one rock up with a Wanderer's Army. They've just taken off squares, for instance. But uh, it's much more important to be really up to date with your rules and your tactics and strategy in game with your army so being really well practiced i would say if you're looking at going to masters and you're not already playing with at least the faction you're going to be taking change your mind go back to what you know yeah sick yeah I and, and, and by the way i just want to call out wargaming dad who's made a really cool comment is that uh, making it, it makes it better when you win with a, a, a B tier army, and uh, mm. that reminds me of Masters, the first year that I attended, where uh, Dispossessed Dan was running his Dispossessed at Masters, and every victory was sweeter than uh, you know if you had run, you know, a really strong combination that was popular at the time. So, um, but he was yeah. there for a good time and beers. He wasn't there to to smash face and 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 lose friends. That doesn't sound like Dan. Good time and beers. Yeah. No. Sounds nothing like him. No. Like Clint, he's lie. really aggressive and mean, I find. Maybe I'm the problem now that I come to say it. It <laughs> might just be me. All right. You guys get you guys get you guys getting weird as we get later in there. I, I might I might Liam, do you have any other hey. questions before I throw into some of the listener questions that came up? Are you guys both excited for Masters? Like, is this like what you've been like waiting for, or is it just going to be like, okay, cool, it's just practice for me for CanCon? Like, are you guys like super excited, or what's what's the go? Yeah. No, uh, no, I'm definitely excited. That was my goal for the year, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely definitely excited. Um, it's, and as I said before, it'd be good to just catch up with with the people again that um in our community that. I know a lot of the people now in the top 16 and I know know the people that'll be running the tournament um so yeah I, I'm, I'm very excited for the weekend and um, once I get my invite I'll be I'll be saying I'll be going so 
So the invites happen. Uh, so the season, this particular season, by the way, finishes uh, tomorrow. So that if you are listening live, that is the 31st of, uh, of October. Um, the Masters season technically wraps up. However, uh, if you are listening to this and you are from Australia, there was an important announcement made today uh, that talked about the changes in the Australian uh, match play community. And that is that the new season is going to uh, change. We're going to be moving to a, uh, a, a ranking period that starts on the 1st of August. Um, and that runs until the, the 31st of July. So uh, to make that change, the, the, the next season is not shorter. It's actually longer. It actually goes for, I think, 20 months um why we kind of change season so really the next season we're entering uh is going to end on the 31st of july 2021 so you've got uh lots and lots and lots of time to uh to aspire to get into the masters and to attend those events to to build up your skills and knowledge um for that next next masters event so uh there's been other little changes that have happened but uh yeah what are your thoughts on the changes does that mean no Masters next year? Correct. Yeah. So so this is the last Masters. Uh, there will be a uh, this period of uh, 16 or 18 months, whatever it works out to be, uh, and then the next Masters committee, well, next Masters will happen um, uh, in, tw- in 2021. Yeah, right. Wow. So. Discuss. Campbell, what do you think? You've done Masters heats. What do you think of that season change? I think I think it is a better time of the year to play it. Um, yep. I think because November it gets congested, right? Because we just finished Sydney GT. It feels like um, we've got Runex up this weekend. I've got Masters at the end of the month. I'm not able to go to Castle Assault up in Newcastle like I really would have liked, just because. You just run out of girlfriend points, right? Like, <laughs> there's no way you can keep that relationship going past November at this current rate. So, um, yeah, I think I think the change in year is positive. I think it's probably the right decision to just not have one next year because 18 to 20 months is better than, like, six months in terms yeah. of a difference there. What I would say is I think for that Masters, there, you you're going to be looking at about 270 to 280 points needed to get you in, I think, because you just got yep. so many tournaments. We're talking, you know, two, two CanCons, two SAGTs, two Sydney Slaughters, you know, all two of Sydney these Sydney GTs, big... two and, like, six Brisbaneers. Well, we wouldn't get one Sydney GT. Two Sydney We're still oh, teaching no, no, Liam. No, no, you only get one. You only get one. I only get one Sydney GT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, one Sydney GT. But you're right. The, the 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 challenge will be, especially with CanCon, with so many points available, is that um, there will be two CanCons. Um, so if you do well at CanCon this year, next year, and the year after, that's really two of your three spots. So um, you just need to perform really well. Um, although John McGraw asked a good question before um, privately, and he asked, you know, should we consider something like the top four four tournaments? As opposed to the top three. I was three. just thinking that. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea because otherwise you're making it, if you don't get, I'd say, if you don't get to- top 10 in both CanCons, you are facing a really uphill battle there because, you, you know, CanCon, it's still only worth the 100 points, but because you've got so many players, even 10th is getting probably in the 90, 96 in terms of the points. Yeah, yeah it's... 
it's ridiculous. So unless you get, not ridiculous in a bad way, I'd stress, it's just the way it works out. But yeah. unless you get strong finishes in a big event like CanCon, you are probably going to have to win a couple events. So I, yeah. I would say maybe stretching it out to four, even five events. What happened if CanCon? What, what, what if CanCon 2021 grows from 240 to 300? The, app, it the appetite. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure Clint and his aggression may have said that in a rage. He's but... been so angry. Oh my god! But if he the had numbers to look after 400 people. The numbers 240 this year. What happens if it expands next year? It just gets even harder uh, at the 300. So uh, that could be a consideration. I think it, it makes it hard though. Um, like I guess next year's uh, an anomaly. You've got 18 months, 20 months, whatever it is. But in a normal season saying four or more games it does make it hard like for people like myself that can like might only be able to get to three because we've got to travel pretty much to every single tournament and it's not just a hour's drive down the road sort of travel it's a a flight or it's it's a, a whole day and then you're paying for accommodation like it can end up being quite hard to get to those extra tournaments um I don't know. I, I I don't mind the the four for maybe next year, but I, I thought maybe in a normal year for three. Um, in in relation to Joel's question, I did see that question. He also said um, something about it'd be good to see more people at tournaments. Um, so maybe if they added in a cause into the um, top four, for example, maybe two or three of those top four can't be your um, local tournaments, maybe just to get people traveling a bit more. Um, so you, like people say from Brisbane that can, they can play in six or whatever tournaments in a year, just because they're all within an hour's drive, maybe only allow them to, to get one tournament, you know, ranking from that, from one of those tournaments. And then the other three from traveling. I don't know how you, I don't know how you police it or how you, you sort of work it out. Um, but yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, if yeah, you're making, so we 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 had um we had Clint and Gabe uh, on this show about five months ago, and we we're talking about the gangbuster community that is Queensland, and you know they had Briz uh they had they've had a number of Briz hammers which are around that fifty mark thirty to fifty mark. They've had uh, uh BrizCon, which was at a hundred. Uh, you know, uh, they had Twomba GT not long ago. So they've got a, a lot, they've got a really strong community up in Queensland. And often it's only about an hour's drive um, between venues. While for someone like yourself, Mayor, you know, you've got a considerable five to seven hour travel to get to some of these larger events. So uh, potentially a, a question that the master committee can ask themselves around how they uh, find quote unquote balance. But I do want to call out Corey's uh, point, which is a really interesting one, is that the new Masters season now aligns with the General's Handbook. So it's not like we're playing mid-season with General's Handbook. So with, with Masters being in like November, December, you know, you've kind of had half a season with the old book, half a season with the new book. With this new alignment, Corey, you've nailed it on the head. From a meta perspective, we are really ending around the new General's Handbook and the new season kicks off um, with the new book. So everyone's kind of quote-unquote aligned. Um, so interesting, interesting observation. Yeah. Like my view on it is I'm glad that it aligns with the GHB because like when the GHB comes out, it's like a refresh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And 
yeah, like I, I've kind of been thinking about this for a while with Masters because like it is in a weird time where it's like mid through our new GHB where points have just changed and we don't get new points till like a month after now kind of thing. So like kind of like with the Masters being like refreshed and probably we'll use like the past points. Like we won't use the new GHB points, but like the past points kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it um, when it comes to it because I'm pretty sure the G, like I think the UK do their Masters mid-year. Uh, no, 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 no. The, the UK is around the same time. Okay. No, they, 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 they have a breakout uh, Masters as well. It's a little bit different. But okay. uh, they're, they're, they're traditional. So they're, the UK ranking system is under Bad uh, bad Dice, the Ben Curry's website. Uh, but I yeah. believe there's a breakout tournament that's happened. Um, so, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, I'm happy with the move. Um Top four thing I kind of get for that season, but then every season after that needs to be top three points. Yeah, definitely um, shift back. But I, yeah, it's the fact that, like, in my honest opinion as well, is I think there should be a different point score if it's past a hundred people or something. Yep. Like I don't know why someone who turned up to a 40-point event, a uh, 40-player event, right, gets the same score as Matt, who just beat 200 players. Like, that's, that, I can add something that our, our, our CanCon, uh, not CanCon, our Masters Committee can consider. Because, like, I don't know how Matt will feel, but, like, I mean, talking about Campbell here. So Campbell just won CanCon. How many players did you have to beat? Just. Um, I, I had to beat six. Um, <laughs> but, like, make how, me how many players? A few hundred. Um, out of like how many players was the event again? Like one hundred ninety-six. Loads, okay. mate. Yeah. So you got first out of one hundred ninety-six, right? Some guy in Queensland who just turned up to like a forty-two player event got the same score, same ranking points as you, but he didn't even play against like competing against that many people. Like, oh, by the way, Clint, you- Clint just called out that uh, that uh, the UK have just changed it to mid-season, so there is now alignment. But yeah. inside- no punctuation either. Very aggressive comment from Clint, I felt. <laughs> Sorry, Mayor. I, I think I may have cut you yeah, off there. No, just in, in what Liam's saying, he, he's kind of right. But then with a big event, your top performers get better better points because they actually have – you have beaten the majority of players. Because yeah. like a big event like CanCon – you do have a huge amount of good players. Um, so you, you it's still, a larger even, pool. So even if you're not winning, you get in top 10, you're still getting a good amount of points for that, that tournament. Whereas if you went to a, a tournament that was only 40 players, um, you might only have a couple of good players there. And, and if, you, if you don't actually win that tournament, you're not getting great points. Like it, you, yeah. you, get, you get bracketed quite quickly. It goes down quite quickly. Yeah. So I, I don't th- I don't know how you could change it that would be fair. So I, I guess the I guess the to maybe just to end this point so we don't go too down a rabbit hole is no 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 like so no. aggressive Clint I'm reading Clint's comment like so angry aggressive. angry man so angry so, so again for the people on the podcast because uh, I'm inclusive unlike our friend Liam um, he says Clint has come out and said wow take that Corey you don't deserve your points according to Liam. Uh, so Clint is being passive aggressive. Um, to wrap up, but like, the, the, but like, it makes a sense though, right? Am I am I hallucinating, or am I the only one that thinks that makes sense? The point is, is that uh, yes, absolutely. The 
the Matt Campbell winning CanCon, beating 195 and other players absolutely should get rewarded. However, there's the same side, which is how do you incentivize the smaller tournaments, get more people attending small, small tournaments so that they grow and overall the community grows and there is a, I don't want to say level playing field, but certainly a, a better opportunity if you don't live in the capital cities where all the major events are running. So it's a, it's a consideration and a challenge that that needs to be balanced and and certainly some exploration happening. Um, I am conscious of time, so I'm going to start shooting some rapid fire questions out from the community. So are you are you guys ready? Mm -hmm. No. Cool. So Ash McEwen asked, it seems like uh, that the last few tournaments in Australia have run subtle variations to the same five match play scenarios. How do you see the possibility of playing 18 match play scenarios affecting the army build? So a point for the people who haven't attended Masters, um, the scenarios are not announced in advance. You submit a list and randomly um, uh, the scenario is generated during the day. So uh, you have no understanding of what's happening um, prior. So how do you guys feel that uh, you guys have been practicing or playing potentially scenarios that uh, may not be at, at, at Masters? Uh, look, I always build lists to try and do well at um, any one of those 18. Uh, it's always hard to, to build a, a perfect list, which you, it's not it's probably not possible really. But if you can, if you can build a well-rounded list, um, it doesn't bother. I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me to go into a tournament where I didn't know what the the, the scenarios were going to be. In saying that, I do like knowing what they are, but just for the fact that you can practice them and you can, when the when the time comes, you're not sitting there reading through the rules um, and wasting your valuable time, um, setup time, for example, like you know how some some scenarios are a weird setup, and you, you you're sitting there trying to work out how you're going to set up your models, where your deployment zones are, et cetera, et cetera. So knowing that before a tournament can be good because you can streamline that coming into your game. Um, and and obviously Matt Campbell didn't practice knife to the heart, but um, <laughs> a lot of people like, – so before Sydney GT, I played one of each of those those scenarios just to get familiar with it um, and just just to see if my list um, could do well at those, those five scenarios. Um, but yeah, that's what I always try and do. Always try and build that that rounded list. Yeah, I I think I think you want to build a rounded list. I like that we don't know going in how we should tailor our list because a lot of it will come down to the obvious points are like hero scoring scenarios versus everything else, right? So you you do need to tailor your list to tackle both of those this way. I think perhaps the best compromise would be have list submission, say like three, two weeks out, whatever, and then a week before the event, maybe two weeks, depending on when you've had list submission, publish the scenarios. So everyone can think about them, everyone can practice them, everyone can read them to Matt's point um, so that you don't have that issue, but also you don't get people tailoring lists. So if you had two scenarios with character holding objectives and you knew that going in, those lists would be very different to lists if you had no character holding objectives. So you kind of have to plan for both and make a mixture. But um, uh, I think it would be better knowing going in what we're playing. Yeah. 
interesting comment from uh, from the chat that said, uh, "Should in general scenario knowledge be expected when competing at Masters?" Um, no, apparently would... not. No. <laughs> well, well, just do, number do as one. Matt does. Nope. Do, do, do as Matt does. Uh, I think it, it, it was much easier in the old edition when there was only six scenarios to choose from. Now that there are 18 and there are a lot of different nuances between the way you score, the deployment maps, um, the, the deployment like, zones, well, I, there are... I don't, there think, are I don't think any of the new ones actually have hero scoring ones anymore, do they? Like, they have battle line as well, isn't it? So can we not talk about duality of death? Can we not? It's the worst like, scenario duality. ever. It's the worst so scenario. It's, it's not, it's, always be a hero but now it's battle line as well so to answer it used question, to be behemoths so to answer the question yes you uh, if you are attending masters you should absolutely have uh, a general knowledge of the scenarios um <laughs> yes uh but do you know them uh, do, do you know them and have a game plan in mind no but i guess we're testing skill and knowledge at masters so why not um, liam you, the thing with scenarios about let's just talk about the 18 scenarios, right? There's like four, five good ones that should always be played, in my opinion. Like if there was like, I've always said this, but like most events we should just run if for like competitive, you want to do the rankings thing, whatever, have the five scenario packs, like five scenarios that are just generally balanced, fair, and anyone can do well with them and you can write a list around them or like maybe six or seven scenarios and pick them out because the 18 so many. Like there's scenarios like relocation orb, which I strongly dislike. There is scenarios like Star Strike, which I strongly dislike. There are scenarios of Duality of Death, which I strongly dislike. Um, and all those ones there have like either the objective holding scenario is like stupid, like Duality of Death, where Battle Lion can hold it. So your 30 Witch Hells, 5 up rerolling save, Thingy Bob, is just going to camp on an objective and then you have an unkillable Marathi just chilling there. Like you are, if you could, if you have that list, right, like, or like a similar list to that, where it's like unkillable heroes and stuff, or battle line, you just pop an objective, and you're apparently con con like considered a skilled general, right? So I think with the eighteen scenarios, just call it down to like six or seven good ones, where like every army can compete, even like the off-meta ones, since we just did an episode about being off-meta or f the meta, um, and just change it like that. That's my opinion on the eighteen scenarios. Cool. So yeah, right now, I as it's gone, I like a bit of variety. <laughs> I think I, I like the variety, but counter to that, do we all remember Sydney Slaughter a couple years back, where we had that scenario where you had to fight the Stormfront back and forth? Mm -hmm. Can we and not talk about basically that a roller? I reckon yeah. we play that five times. No, <laughs> no, hell no, hell no. All right. Um. <laughs> Next question, listener question. So what meta adaptions have you seen in regards to Slanesh since he's the big since Slanesh is the boogeyman? Uh and Campbell. That was, oh no. And that was that yeah. was from John Rocco. Yeah, John Rocco on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Campbell, you've played Slanesh recently. <laughs> uh yeah, played Slanesh loads, right? Um basically I think the two big changes or three big changes you see is you've got to be able to counter the Locus and Depravity Points, or at least one of them, right? So you either want something that's loads of one wound infantry. So I think Skaven is a great counter to them because you've got lots of one wound infantry. You don't need to get stuck into combat because you can just hit them with your Gisales or Warp Lightning Cannons. The other way to combat them 
is just to have something that goes outside the activation wars. Because with your Keepers of Secrets on a two-up, basically for anyone who doesn't know in the chat, Sinesh Heroes roll a dice, and on a four-up, one unit within six inches, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, has to fight last that turn. Keepers, Keepers of Secrets, get it on a two-up. So that's why you see so much complaints about going into their army because you see loads of character-heavy lists with depravity points anyway forcing you to go last. So my example, the one that I use, is I use the Bloodthirster of Unfettered Fury a lot. He would never leave my list at the moment with the Activation Wars because he allows demon units to pile in six. And nothing within Sinesh allows them to pile in more than three inches. So rather than charging Sinesh and getting within half an inch and allowing them to take that roll off, I will go 3.1 away from them. Sure, they can make me attack last, but they can't hit me until I attack regardless. So really it's ways that you can find, whether it be shooting, playing around with that locus, or limiting the depravity points. These are all things that generally are going to help you in the current meta anyway. So they're things people should be taking into consideration, especially with an event like Masters, where you probably would expect to be seeing quite a few Sinesh lists. Yep. Yep. And there's a very good chance you might see a, a Go Track. Uh, there's a very good chance that you might see some of the new Battle Tomes. So even though you haven't played against uh, an Iron Jaws army since the new book or a, a Cities of Sigma, there's a very good chance that you need to prepare for the meta. Uh, and Slanish certainly is one of those. Um, the mayor. Mayor, anything else from yourself? No, nah, just pretty much what Matt just said. Just it, it has you have seen a lot more strike and, and I think Games Workshop are doing it too with a lot of their new tomes. There's um, strike first mechanics, there's the six inch pile-ins, and even with the ogre book, um, which was one of the things I was looking at, you've got um, like the ogre charge, so you're doing a heap of mortal wounds just on the charge. So that happens obviously before combat. So it doesn't matter if you get locust, um, just things like that. And and yeah, and taking some, taking like from my point of view, playing legions and a gash would take skeletons and grave guard because they're one wound models. Doesn't matter how many your opponent kills, they're not getting any depravity from it. So yeah, pretty much same as what Matt was saying too. Yeah. Even if yep. you've got a book that doesn't have that inbuilt, even what's that artifact which makes your opponent fight after you? I think it's once per game Dopp now. Doppelganger. Doppelganger cloak. Even something like sticking that on something like a mega boss or just a fighty character in general will just let you kill that Keeper of Secrets, right? Yep. And yeah, they may take multiples and that might give them a bit of depravity. But it's a get out of jail free card for one of your heroes, right? So you've just got to, there will be ways in your book, even if it's charging something else, stretching your infantry out to be 3.1 away, but still have that character as the closest model, and then piling them in towards the character as well. You've just got to think about ways like that that you can get around that locus. Because at the moment, it's a problem for some people. But that's what the meta does. It just shifts the goalposts in the game and the good players react to that. Yep. Yep. And um, there's been some good examples recently where people have hired the um, the marauders from the mercenary company. So mm. if you're, you're an army that struggles with bodies and chaff, um, there is cheap battle line, or not battle line, but cheap cheap bodies that you can tap into from the mercenaries and just think differently. 
uh, or the skeletons with the necromancer. So just think a little bit differently to... Or even uh, the cannons. Shoot them yeah. off. Yep. Um, one thing, because I remember me, Tristan on the last show, heard what I did against Strike First stuff, and I kind of got it on a share screen here. Um, if I can just get it to share. Uh, here we go. Um, so something against, like, Sinesh, this is something that I drew up for him to explain to him. So, like, here's your Strike First. Let's say this is your Keeper of Secrets, right? Um, your opponent's Keeper Secrets or Feck or whatever, like, shenanigans thing. What you can do is charge your damage unit half an inch into your enemy models that are friendly to them, stay three inches out of all this stuff. So even if they do their Locusts and stuff onto, let's say, let's say this is a unit of, let's say, Horrors, right? Unit of Horrors, great damage unit. Um, and what you can do is charge your de charge the Demonets or whatever he has over here, and you get Locusts, right? Um, so pretty much you're staying three inches out and you'll probably take a hit from the Demonets probably twice. So you probably lose a horror or two, but then what you can do is then after that, since you're going to fight, no other activations will happen. You can literally then pile in three and then you just got the keeper or whatever that damage unit is. Hmm. And like, you don't have any fancy tricks. You don't have a six inch pile. And this is like for an army that doesn't have any of that stuff, right? Like this is like an army, like pretty vanilla, like mixed order, Caesar Sigma or something where... You don't have six inch pilot, you don't have strike first. This is how you can compete. And it's honestly just from playing games and understanding the core rules and wording on everything else. So, yeah. There like, you go. Trist Tristan thinks you're a peach. But yeah, um, yeah that's what I was talking about earlier. There's tactics. Glad Liam had visual representation. Oh, Thanks, I had to explain Liam. it to Tristan at like 2 a.m. So, like, I had to get some visual thing ready for me. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. that's like midday for you. So don't complain. Well, 2 a.m. for him, and I had to do some stuff for Magro, like painting terrain. All right, back to the rapid-fire questions. Uh, what are your thoughts on a state-by-state -state Masters and then a master, a national Masters? So that happens in the 40K world. I know in uh, Australian 40K, they have a state-based comp uh, uh, competition, and then they get an invitational to a, uh, a national comp. Tyrrell, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't mind it, actually. I think it's, I think it's a really good idea. Um... For example, like uh, it, it could just obviously you'd you'd still want to take what the top four from each state maybe um, after doing the mark. Like if you did a sorry, you'd you'd still you'd do a top sixteen from each state. They'd all fight off like in a master style tournament, and then your top four places maybe then get invited to masters um, at, from each state or or however you want or however many players it is um but i, I think that's a great idea because it, it it gives you that little extra opportunity to maybe make it to masters or just that opportunity that you normally wouldn't have that so for those fringe players that want to play masters and just never can make it that might be just that that thing that they could get to um and and, and enjoy and enjoy the um that competitiveness of a, a masters tournament um, but yeah, I, I I don't mind it to be honest. I think it's it'd be good. We do we do have a uh, I'm pretty sure it's still around this year. Is that uh, some of the states, the smaller states like South Australia, have a uh, guaranteed spot uh, in the Masters as well. Uh, I can't remember if they're still doing it this year, but uh, I know there's been ways to try to drive up activity in um, uh, in the communities that are smaller than the others. But Campbell, what are your thoughts? Um. I kind of 
disagree with it in in principle. I like the idea that the smaller states are encouraged to be represented, but I, I certainly think the idea that you have, you know, four people from each state represented, it doesn't really work because some states just don't have the AOS scene that others do. You know, Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria. I think without question have the biggest scenes in whatever order you want to place them. Um, so maybe an idea where, you know, they get four or five spots each and then, I don't know, South Australia gets a couple, ACT gets, what, one, two? Yeah. And then Tassie gets one. Do they have Warhammer in Tassie? Yeah, Randy. Randy. Randy's uh, our, our token Tassie. Randy right. guarantee gets into Masters. That'd be <laughs> awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, uh, but, yeah. But by the way, Doom's just clarified that uh, that was last year. It's not. It's not in this year. So there's no guaranteed spots for our um, some of the smaller communities. Cool. Yeah. So maybe it's something to look at reinstating. But um, my only other thing would be some states are really big, right? So living in Sydney, I'd be pretty much guaranteed that any regional masters or state masters is going to be in Sydney for me. So it's not a big deal. But if you are opening up to people from Perth and you've got uh, from WA, and you've got that held at Perth, and you live at the top of the country, at the top of WA, making that trip all the way down, and then having to go all the way to Masters, as well as having been to your three tournaments, which you probably had to travel for as well, that that could be a lot to go into, especially if, you know, you don't have the time off work or you don't necessarily have the disposable income to travel that much for the hobby. My, my thing would maybe just be trying to limit the paywall as much as possible. So that would be the only other thing we spoke earlier about maybe having to travel interstate for um, tournaments. My only thing would be, I like the idea in principle, but I don't like the idea with such an expensive hobby already to put, an additional paywall behind it. So some yep. of those Queenslanders, you know, who go to their local events all the time, that's great that they have that scene there. That's awesome. And I completely get why you want people to travel around the country because it's great. But the the additional costs and time off, I think, would be the one reason I would maybe bulk at the whole additional regional masters, especially if it's close to the actual thing. By the way, Matt, can you hold your mic up for a few charts? Like scratching the your shirt. Yeah, thank you, buddy. <laughs> um, cool. Um, I'll ask the next question and then I'll throw it over to Liam. Um, so Warsawin had asked, um, what were the least popular armies you've seen in the Australian community and why? He recognizes that uh, Slaves to Darkness, he doesn't believe is currently uh, competitive, but he's curious to see what type of armies are least represented in in our in our meta. I think Slaves to Darkness would be number one or yep. one off. Um, I think... Hayden is going to be so mad at you. He's <laughs> running some ash. Um, obviously, yeah. Ogres and Beast Claw, they, they have been at... You do see them at tournaments, um, but very, very low numbers. Um, 
I don't know, maybe a lot of your cities of Sigma sort of armies previous to the book you weren't seeing. Um, just a, a lot of armies that don't have a, a, a newer book, I think, are the ones that you you don't often see at, at tournaments as much. Yeah, your um, Seraphon, your uh, Disciples of Zench, um, your Beast of Chaos probably haven't really seen a pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, actually, there was a few getting around, though, the Beast of Chaos, but I think they've died off again now. Mm. There was a bit of a period there after the book came out, but... um. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers most of the that what I can think of. I think a lot of them are going to fall under the Cities of Sigmar banner. So things like, you know, Scourge Scourge. Privateers and yeah. stuff, people are already coming out with lists for that because of Cities of Sigmar. You can expand it. You know, I think I think we will see a lot more of these smaller, less represented faction stuff popping up more and more which is cool because we'll see a bit more potential competition for the badge in the masters rankings yeah cities of sigma i can imagine is going to be super competitive no it won't be able to be mine <laughs> so yeah. confident right i claim it by the way i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think fire slayers hasn't really seen the pickup either in australia i think a few people have picked it up but it doesn't seem like a popular because you need Karad a mortgage to get it. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Yep, yeah, Mayor, good point. KO uh, has definitely seen a drop yeah. off. Uh, although Danny Carroll, I know he's picked it up. Dispossessed. They're, I don't think I've seen them since CanCon. Or... I've seen I've, I've seen two of them, but yeah, they're, yeah. they're not they're not far around. Interestingly, Sylvaneth too, big drop off recently. Mm -hmm. um, none at Sydney GT. Which was uh, shocking. Only the only the buy buster, which was Liam. So yeah, there was no Sylvaneth, and even even, um, even Runax is like almost none. It's like three or something out of a hundred odd players. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I reckon there's some like the other thing as well is like where we'll see there's like another drop of armies like Nighthaunt. We don't really see much. It you just see them in legions of Nagash. Um, yep. But. Like, oh, no, what is it? Gloom, can I just say, Gloomspite gets had a huge rise earlier this year, and then now they've dropped off as well. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people got sick of painting the 180 grots you needed to paint. Um, another thing as well, like other armies that we just don't really get to see much, is pure Slaves of Darkness Allegiance, even though we do see them in, like, K and, um, like Nurgle or Slanesh. Um, um, what else is there? Nurgle's kind like of dropped off as well. Nurgle's dropped off, but I reckon they're going to come back very soon. Um, in my, like, with the current, like, way with objectives and stuff, Nurgle just has the tools to do it, deal with it, if that makes sense. I think um, Nurgle's great, great, because the, the meta now is um, the majority armies pump out mortal wounds, and that's how they win. So Nurgle negates so many not mortal wounds that I think they're quite... They can be quite competitive if you can build the right list. I yeah, think they're like, really good. Uh, they were one of the last books to come out before the whole Holy Within thing came in. So yeah. utilizing that stuff like the Harbinger buff and stuff like that and stretching really out and run and charge, all of that stuff is really, really strong. Blight Kings are still crazy cheap for what they are. Um, yeah. I think it's... 
a lot of the underrepresentation from them towards the top of the tournament scene has been things like people who traditionally champion them, like Gemma and Chris Tott were probably two of our biggest Nurgle players in Australia. I think, well, Chris Tott doesn't well, get they, to as many as he likes. Well, they both, and, they both recorded the faction focus for me. They were the, they were my top tier Nurgle players at the start of the year. Um, yeah, rightly so. They're great. And Gemma, Gemma, Gemma's jumped to Feck. She's been running Feck for a long time now. So, um, but yeah, like for under representation, there's quite a lot of armies, but I think they're all going to be going under some banners soon because GW is streamlining all the books and stuff, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, um, next question is from Craig Anderson, who says, how well are each of the states, including New Zealand represented? Should some of the less popular ones get a bit of a handicap? So I'm guessing he's asking if you're from Victoria or South Australia kind of thing, should you be handicapped for being there in points-wise? Is that what he's trying to ask, Magro? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's yeah, basically asking should we get a leg up if you're from Tasmania? So this is... Okay. I don't think Victoria got a pretty big AOS I was just, community. They, they got a big AOS community, but they don't have as many events as, let's say, okay, Let's say Brisbane, right? Brisbane has about eight a year now or something. Oh, like, more than that, probably. Like, let's say 10. So out of 12 months, they get 10 events. So it's like one or two months of quietness, and I'm guessing that's like December and stuff. But like Victoria have like three, and two and two of them are like one day is by Smorgacon or whatever. So, and then South Australia had like Saggy T, and I don't know about the other events, but. They've got a couple of one day is, um, but yeah. yeah. But, so long story short, I think. Bendigo do, do two GTs a year, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, the other question I that think, Craig... Go on. Uh, I would say I, I don't think you would want to sort of handicap it any more than... I like the system where you offer one spot today if they've got a player who wants to take it and is good enough to take it, then I think that's cool. Um, but I think if you part of what makes masters great is you you are taking the 16 or 24 best players like that's the idea and i would like to keep it as close to that as possible because you know if you if you make it too handicapped for other you've got to walk before you can run right so you've got to develop the scene and infrastructure to go or else you're just going to get three or four guys going to masters all year and that's it from a state where no other tournaments are held, you know? So I think the main thing we can do is when you see something like SAGT out of a state that maybe doesn't have the AOS scene, the big three may have, then people should get down there and support it. Cause maybe if SAGT gets consistently supported to the numbers they'd want, maybe a second GT opens up. Yeah. I, th and I, luckily think, I, think the, I think the handicap also is already there, the, that you only need three tournaments. So for people in mm. a small community, they can do that. They only have to travel that three times and it you know, makes it easier for them as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, great. And I think generally if we start supporting each other a bit more and we start attending more events, uh, whether a new player coming in or maybe, you know, you're, you're looking to travel, 
Uh, we can just grow the scene in general. There's more points, there's more tournaments, and I think we all win. So uh, I think there's a, an interesting landscape coming up now that we have a longer season we're about to enter into. A um, couple of rapid, rapid fire questions, one from Craig Anderson. Should we combine Australia and New Zealand's Masters system or the ranking system? I think just I, the countries in general. I mean, speaking as someone from the other side of the world, it's just confusing. Just one big country, name it Anzac land and be done with it. Okay, so Matt, Matt Campbell saying combine combine countries, combine ranking systems. Mayor? I, uh, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Um, they're, they're obviously travelling over here now for Cancun and then they came over Sid, Sydney GT and they both... I think they did well at both tournaments, so I, I don't see a problem with it. Like, I don't think, from what I've seen from them coming here, I don't think they've got a, a shitty community over there, like, of, of players. Not like the Australian dollar and New Zealand dollar, how it's always less. I don't think their players are like that. No, I think, they've, got um, a, they've got a great player base. Yeah, Very so good. I, I think, I think they're, they're, that way, what I'm trying to say is I think their points system would work into ours quite well. Like, I think it would be fair. Um, depending on, I don't know what their community is like. Do they get big tournaments over there, like 40 players or not? One or I two think, a year. I think maybe the way you do it is maybe you look at New Zealand being the place where I don't know what the numbers would be, but if you had, say, six spots in New Zealand go into the Masters and 12 spots from Australia, then you would get an 18-player tournament all up or however you wanted the numbers to be, and you get the six best from New Zealand and the 12 best from Australia, which is roughly representative of where you'd want it to be. Maybe that's yeah. the way you do it so that they don't have to travel over to Australia two, three times a year, which can get pretty axy. Liam, you've attended Notorious GT. What are your thoughts um, being a friend of New Zealand? Um, I have spoken to the guy who runs that website for the rankings and stuff. And I do know that him and Clint have chatted about it. Um, and the New Zealand community is not to where they want it to be yet before they joined us. I can just tell you that right now we are in the fact that we had to increase our ranking points kind of thing for like 40 players to get max points instead of 24. Um, I think they are trying to get like the 30 markers sometimes like we like I turned up to Notorious and it was like a 50 player event right and that was the biggest New Zealand event yet yeah. if that gives you an idea and like currently right now New Zealand are rocking up with 100 not New Zealand Queensland's rocking up with like 100 and we've rocked Magro rocked up with 80 plus and then um, Victoria ran 70 plus so like they're not up to that kind of thing yet if that makes sense like they can't like we would have to then turn down our ranking points to then pair up with their events so they can compete. If that makes sense. Yep. So they're, they're, yep. the yep. What what I will call out is uh, our friend Charles Black, who this year restarted the Trans Tasman Cup, which was a four on four event happened before CanCon. So uh, maybe that's a way that we can bridge the communities a little bit better uh, and maybe test skills and knowledge um yeah in, the, in a masters format without being a masters and interrupting the the, the local scenes like yeah. i can say right now their player base they do have good players right um like we saw that with bates and um tubs and matt at uh, cine gt and we also saw that at cancon where seth like, fraser 
Um, they did well. And also they got they took a lot of our trophies, like best sports and stuff and like best chaos and stuff. So like And they, they beat you two in the Tasman Cup. No, I you, won. I won. Just he, saying me and Matt weren't there. Me and Matt didn't let down the country. I had a, I, I had a, I had a, I had a battle time for a week. My game went for yeah. three minutes and I won. Yeah. You, I literally had my own Because you probably grudged a 12-year-old girl again. Yeah, from what Tubbs and that were saying, Liam, it was like, um, yeah, you were, I don't know who the guy was. I don't want to say too much, but uh, yeah, it wasn't much of a game. Oh, it wasn't. And I knew that when I walked in. Also, it was Scorched Earth, the most <laughs> stupidest scenario ever. Um, but um, yeah, so like I... I know from me going to that event, like their events and stuff, they got a great community and I would love to see the two countries like do masters together, but I'd say give it like another, like, you know how we just announced a new season till 2020, uh, 2021. I think after that season, we might look back into it to see how their community is growing. Mm. If that makes sense? Because yeah. we are having 15 New Zealanders turning up um, for CanCon. And I think three or four of them are going for 40 K though. So like 10 or so plus, coming for AOS, which is, like, if they're willing to travel for, like, CanCon and also Sydney GT, I'm sure they're willing to travel for Masters, and I'm sure some of us are happy to travel over there for Masters. And also, as I said earlier, probably about 20-plus players are going to go over there to play at Notorious GT next year in September. So I'd really love to see some... um, I'd like to see some teams come out for, like, Runax and the team events. Yeah. That'd be cool, having a couple Kiwi teams in there. Yeah, they would. They would. They, I'm going to say this. They would probably smash some of the Australian teams. So, mm. yeah. Um, next question, Magro. All right, a couple more rapid fire questions. I think we're at the end of our tether. Um, Adam Burt, the uh, the the winner of CanCon 2018. Uh, I'd be I'd be Did he win? Uh, I'd be rude Did he win? if I didn't. Did not know I'd that. be rude if I didn't actually announce that his formal title. It's on his business card. He's actually got it tattooed on his uh, on his uh, uh, tramp stamp area. But Adam Burt has asked, "Do you think Matt Tyrrell would do uh, would would do as well as Matt Campbell if he had the extra T in his name?" Mm. <laughs> so, out of context, Matt Matt Tyrrell is a Matthew with uh, a single T, while Matt Campbell is a double T. Could be so what, what we mean is the mayor can't spell. Well, the mayor's well, parents, or maybe yeah. the mayor or his wife. Well, I don't that, know. That's what. true. Yeah, I'm just insulting your whole I mean, family. I, I, I've now been banished from Dubbo. <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe I need to get a name change. Maybe that's all it is. Saskin T, wide it out on the birth certificate. You'll be right. Uh, do either of you gentlemen have experience with the ITC or the Swedish comp system? Cool, I'll skip that question. Uh, Mark Wolf asks, uh, where have all the beasts of chaos gone? Uh, we just talked about that before, I guess. Yeah. They just I've really got think. some that might be coming. They're going to be corn, but they count. <laughs> okay. And then finally, the last question that I have, unless something pops up in the chat, is from our friend Danny Carroll from the Dwellers Below. He asks... Um, uh, he asked a whole bunch of questions that I'm mostly ignoring, but the question I'm going to pick is who is going to win the Masters and why is it Iron Jaws? <laughs> is that what Kerr's bringing? <laughs> well, Kerr's been playing a lot of Darkling Coven recently, so uh, who knows what he's going to bring. I think Charles Black's talking about taking Iron Jaws. 
I did mm. see a post from Charles on Twitter. I think it might um, be Legion and Nagash. <laughs> there was a question earlier. There wasn't a question earlier, by the way, that asked who's going to win the Masters, and the answer is we don't know yet because uh, invitations haven't been sent out. However, in two shows' uh, time, we're going to have a whole bunch of people attending the Masters on a stream so we can uh, shit-talk those people who actually accept their invitation. So we don't know yet. But is it going to be Iron Jaws that are going to win it? As long as Matt doesn't beat me again. <laughs> I don't know. If we do, you have to put a T on every bit of documentation you own. <laughs> Second T goes on. Oh, jeez. You, you guys um, are fighting for the T. I think Slanesh will definitely be up there. Um, yeah, I definitely think Matt will be up there with his corn. And who knows what Kerr's bringing. Whatever Dave brings will be up there. He is he pl been playing Ardeneth lately or something? No, know. he's been playing um, Darkling Covens. Who did he play with Godrick? Was it Darkling Covens? Darkling Covens. Yeah, yeah. But he always, uh, he always um, plays a different army every tournament, doesn't he? So who knows? I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck out a sneaky little dark horse. If he ends up going, I know he's starting a new job, but I think there's going to be a lot of chaos there. And I think Ash McEwen might bring his laser beams down and is devoted. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that list is interesting. And also it does compete against Sinesh and stuff. It's very good and no one knows what they do. Mm. I've still, I've recorded With a battle, battle shock on and it the laser and I beams. still have no idea. I still don't get it. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> loser changes their name. Thanks. Um, uh, agree. Are we wrapping up? Yeah. Is there any other questions from no. the chat? Not really. There's, there's heaps of questions, but uh, I think we should wrap it up. They're all kind of around the same. I know uh, James Mabry, the Duke, is saying that there's a, a, a underground movement stirring at the moment called the Anti-Masters. Uh, I'm only imagining that these people are combining their wooden spoons together to fight in a like a, a master chef style cooking show um, to be the anti master, maybe making uh, anti pesto or uh, I don't know anti using antifreeze. Uh, but so who would win that tournament? Would it be the loser or the winner? I'm, I'm not naming names, but I don't know. Uh, I think I think I everyone think, wins. I think everyone gets a participation certificate in that tournament. <laughs> Sounds legit. Sounds super All right. legit. All right, we are wrapping up. I think uh, I think we've hit our tether, uh, guys. This has been an absolute pleasure. We could talk more so much. There's, there's some other cool questions coming in. Danny Carroll's baiting us. That sounds like something that you can address on the dwellers below. Um, stop baiting us. <laughs> um, although I think an invitation has been sent to Liam's house if he'd like to join the dwellers. Um, I don't know where this come from, but I'm a dweller. I have no idea, but okay. He's just come that. back to Clan Filth. You guys was, can have him. It was Lords of War. Lords of War, I think you had the uh, the induction ceremony. I had an induction shot, which I survived, and I think Lockie failed miserably. But, um, yeah, sick. Um, cool. Good discussion. Great discussion. Yeah. Not not a, not a lot of Sinesh hate, which was nice and refreshing. <laughs> no. More um, Clint hate. 
more clean hay. Yeah, Jack way clean. more clean hay than I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the next six and attacks four times. This is this is four years of pent up frustration that uh, you've taken the Mickey out of Manfred, and now uh, you have unleashed uh, the monster that is Mortar Clint or Cliff, as he's also known as. But I'm going to see bring... him this weekend. Yeah, let's 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 fight let's fight oh. Cliff. Uh, I've are... offered to grudge him, and he said no. Uh, the the team lead uh, declined, so I'm not going to name names. But Maya, if people want to chat to you, where can they find you on the internet? They want to learn about what you're going to do at Masters, and want to they want to keep a track of your journey. Uh, are you on Twitter? Yeah, May, uh, Matthew the Mayor Tyrrell on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Tyrrell on Facebook. Um, that's pretty much where you'll find me if you want to find me. It's also I've also put it in the uh, the, ch the channel description or the show description. I've got your little hashtag in there, not your hashtag, your little handle. Uh, Matt, you still haven't joined the interwebs of of uh, Twitter or Instagram, from my my knowledge. But if people wanted to talk to no. you, Matt, where can they find you? Uh, I'll leave that all to Liam. He does Clan Phil's PR. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook mostly on the interwebs. Um, so either direct message, the Sydney group, the corn Facebook group. I'm on a couple other armies, ones that I lurk on, but any of those shoot me a message or tag me in something and I'll try and reply. Very cool. And Liam, if people want to talk to you cause they haven't had enough shadow hammer. Uh, thanks man. Um, I'm currently heavily involved in the Bone Reaper group now, just chatting along, um, trolling people. Um, it's been great um, being friendly at the same time. Uh, the Sydney page is always why I'm at Age of Sigma Sydney. Um, Twitter, Shadowhammer underscore. And yeah, and then uh, on YouTube and stuff, which is good. And then also can... Shadowhammer before you. Some rock band. Like, trust <laughs> me, like some rock band in New York or something. Like, not even kidding. Someone got it, and I was, like, triggered. But at least I don't have to do what, like, Chris does, which is, like, wounded mortally, which doesn't make sense to me still. But, yeah. So someone beat me to it. But, yeah. Cool. That's where you can find me. And I'll just be talking about Bone Reapers for the next, like, three or four months, which is great. Which is which is a, a nice little segue that uh, the mayor and uh, Liam will be doing faction focus in about two or three weeks time on our Bone Daddies when the FAQ drops. Uh, I'm also in the process of organising uh, the Cities of Sigma. Uh, hopefully, we'll secure Dispossessed Dan and uh, Elf Bro himself to do the faction focus on the Cities of Sigma. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Movember is literally around the corner. This beard will be coming off, and I'll be raising money. Uh, on behalf of Men's Health. So if you want to donate, you want to keep a track of my progress, follow me on Twitter uh, at Anthony Magro, and uh, you can see all of the disgusting moustache uh, tracking, or you can... Oh, I love your stream. mo. <laughs> you look like Mario grew up and went into middle management. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Cor corporate Mario or like Dr. Mario maybe? But he didn't complete uni. Also, Manfred's oh. good. Manfred no, is not. Manfred, Manfred is great. Sucks. All right, I'm just gonna. He's the worst. I just muted Liam. Uh, <laughs> That's all. Awesome. All right, guys. All right, guys. You guys are so mean to me.
All right. Thanks very much again. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure to like, comment, share it if, if it's something that you enjoyed. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you watch the live stream on Facebook for the first time, let us know how you found the experience because this was the first time for us. Um, and, yeah, that's it. Let's see how we go at Runex. Go Team Toasty. Yeah, the Pantheon. Oh, uh, yeah. Team right. Toasty. Say guys. Manfred is a bitch. Manfred, Manfred is, is the, the worst. You be quiet. Be quiet. Manfred is the worst. Manfred is the worst.